Let's just pray. Father, we come before your throne of grace, O Lord. We thank you. We worship you. We bless you, Lord. Father, we, we pray for all our brothers and sisters who are gathered around your table, O Master, to feed off you, to feed from you. Holy Spirit, uh, uh, break bread and help us to partake from your word, O Master, and help us to understand and see the beauty of the Lord Jesus Christ and the gospel today in new and fresh light, O Lord. We thank you, Lord, because impossible things are going to get, will start beginning to happen, Lord, when we see the beauty of your victory that you have already attained for us. Teach us, O Master, for you are faithful to do that. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 God's good. I'm so excited about the word today. Uh, that uh, The title of the message is, Cast Out This Mountain. <laughs> Yeah, I'd shared a little bit briefly, you know, in one of those conversations that I had with Sushil, actually, one of the days, and we were just like talking and talking, and uh, the Holy Spirit was kind of impressing on me about this, and like, we need to teach this really well, because we have studied this, we have heard this word, hey, he, he, if you say to the mountain, be thou removed, and be cast into the sea, it shall obey you, correct? And you've heard this many times, but we really never understood what Jesus was talking about, because... Really, which mountain has ever moved from the earth? <laughs> you know? So obviously, the, we, were, we are really not catching the essence of what Jesus was trying to say out there. You know, uh, But yet, he really meant it. Uh, he said, if you cast out this mountain, be thou removed. And, it shall, and he kept using, if you have faith as small as a mustard seed, speak to the mountain. And he kept using this word, speak to the mountain. And the Holy Spirit just opened up the scripture so dramatically um, uh, sometime back when I was studying and, and I wanted to share this with you. And you will, you will see something very powerful uh, through this time. Uh, so let's go to, um, uh, initially I'm going to break it down uh, and I want you to just hang with me. Uh, we're going to look at a lot of scriptures, but if uh, this is going to be a Bible study, but I really want to set up a foundation for all of you to understand this gospel, understand this message really powerfully. Because let me tell you the carrot at the end of it. Let me tell you the reward at the end of this message. The reward is nothing shall be impossible for you. Guess what? That's going to be the reward. Nothing is going to be impossible for you. If you understand this message, nothing will be impossible for you. And I'm, I'm telling you seriously, I'm, I'm not kidding because this word, nothing will be impossible for you is not my word. It is the words of Jesus Christ. Nothing will be impossible for you. So I'm going to initially start off by talking about some of the verses from Isaiah. So if you have your Bible, open it up and let's go through it. But before that, I'll also be displaying it on the screen. But let's go to... Uh, Isaiah chapter 58, verse 6. Isaiah chapter 58, verse 6. It says, Isaiah chapter 58, 6 says, he talks about a fast. He said, is this not a fast that I have chosen to lose the bonds of wickedness, to undo the heavy burdens, to let the oppressed go free, and that you break every yoke? Look at what he says. We, we, we've come through a time of fasting. A lot of churches do fasting during the initial part of the year and we talk about fasting, which is all good, right? But look at God's definition of a fast. He said, what's a fast I, I'm looking for? I need a fast that, this is a fast that I choose, that you lose the bonds of wickedness 
you undo the heavy burdens and you let the oppressed go free and you break every yoke okay if you can repeat after me i know your mics are on mute but say break every yoke break every yoke break every yoke that's the fast that jesus the lord uh, is chosen okay and then he says verse 7 is this not to share your bread with the hungry that you should bring bring to your house the poor who are cast out and when you see the naked that you cover him and not hide and not hide yourself from your own flesh look at verse 8 58 verse 8 it says then remember a lot of people are waiting for healing and a lot of the challenges with healing in the especially in the churches the healing is very slow how many of you agree many times when we talk to when we're talking about healing it's always like pray and let's have faith <laughs> you know because we are kind of we are kind of healing most of the time does not happen fast at least that's the experience that we have had as believers in the church but for some reason in jesus ministry his healing happened suddenly and immediately did you notice that the blind would be uh, see right away the leper would be cleansed right away the the epileptics would be healed right away the paralyzed would get up and walk right away you see that healing was speedily speed was occurred speedily occurred speedily all the time look at what he says then isaiah chapter 58 verse 8 then when 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 it says then it's because something preceded this condition it is conditional the condition is if you br- send the oppressed go free and you break every yoke if you do that guess what happened your light shall break forth like the morning your speed your healing shall spring forth speedily and your righteousness shall go before you wow your righteousness that means your righteousness that god has given to you as a gift in christ jesus goes before you and the glory of god which is again the righteousness <laughs> the glory of god is also the righteousness of god god is your rear guard that means you are protected from before and you are protected from behind and your healing goes forth speedily so what is the key for healing to happen speedily what is the clue in this verse righteousness right your righteousness goes before you your healing goes speedily and it is you break every yoke okay now just hang in there you'll say but what does it mean break every yoke we'll come to it but let's go to the next verse Isaiah chapter 15 58 verse 9 50 58 verse 9 then you shall call so that means when you broken the yoke then whatever you ask then you shall call and the lord will answer you shall cry and he will say here i am then again he repeats a condition look at the condition what he says if you take away the yoke from your midst do you see a condition out there you have to take the yoke out from your midst say say remove the yoke remove the yoke you remove the yoke from your midst now he defines what the yoke is brothers and sisters this is so powerful this will completely revolutionize your ministry you will revolutionize your ministering to people the key to ministering for healing for prosperity for victory for every area is first remove the yoke and what is the yoke the yoke is this the pointing of the finger 
Did you get it? The yoke is the pointing of the finger. You have to remove it from your midst. You have to remove the pointing of the finger from your midst. Let me ask you a question. What is the primary method of pointing a finger in the Bible? <laughs> or let me ask you, let me, uh, 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 let me give you a hint. Who pointed the finger on what and wrote something? Correct. The Ten Commandments was written by the pointing of the finger on the stone. Remember that? God says, remove that pointing of that finger out from your midst. That means they, something has to do something about the law of God. Because the law of God stands as an accusation against you continually. And you need to get this. That accusation is the pointing of the finger. That is why when, remember when Jesus, uh, adulterous woman was, uh, a woman was caught in adultery, was brought to Jesus. What did he do? And said, the law says such should be stored. What do you say, Rabbi? Because he was a teacher right now in uh, Israel. And before you could kill somebody, they had to get an approval from a Rabbi. Remember, that is one of the reasons when Stephen was about to be stoned, what did they do? They, they, they removed their garments and put it at the feet of who? Saul. Because Saul was a Pharisee, a teacher. Because they needed to get an approval of a Pharisee or a teacher before you could be condemned. So Paul gave, uh, Paul allowed Stephen to be put to death. That means he gave approval. Can you imagine Paul gave approval for Stephen to be killed? That's the power. That's the power of um, the law. So, so G they were going to get approval from Jesus. What did Jesus do with his finger there? He pointed to the ground, which was stone, because he was in the temple. The temple ground was made of stone. He was writing with his finger on the stone. So he was saying, the law that I is written was written by me. And he refused to use the law against the woman to kill her. So what did he do? He removed the yoke out from her midst. Did you see that? So that's what he did. Okay, then look at verse 10. If you extend your soul to the hungry and satisfy the afflicted soul, then your light shall dawn in the darkness. We're talking about light in the time of power outages. You want your light to dawn in the darkness? This is how you do it. Remove the pointing of the finger and your darkness will be as noonday. Joseph was just sharing about it. Like your darkness will be like noonday. That means it will be so bright. Your darkness. <laughs> so, the Bible has interesting ways to explain darkness. He says for a believer, their darkness is like noonday. So guess how dark is it for the world? That means for a believer, your darkest day is like noonday because you have done one, one thing. And what is that one thing? Remove the pointing of the finger. Brothers and sisters, get a pen, underline it, redline it. You want to see healing? You want to see prosperity? You want to see victory? You want to see relationship mended? You want to see promotion? I say, find the pointing of the finger and remove it. That's the first thing you do. Because the moment you do that, 
you suddenly become open for the impossible things to manifest in your life. I know you're, it's a little too early in the Bible study, but I'm telling you, you, you you're going to see this in absolute terms. This is the reason Jesus' ministry was so successful because he followed this principle. Because this word in Isaiah 58 is talking to Jesus what he needs to do when he comes on the earth, but he's also talking to a believer that who is in Christ Jesus. It applies both to Jesus and it also applies to us. He was successful in his ministry by doing this. You can be greatly successful for your own sake in ministry by doing the same thing. Okay, let's go to the next verse. Isaiah chapter 58 verse 12. He says, when you do this, when you do this, those of you from those from among you shall build the old waste places. When you do this, when you remove the pointing of finger, when you remove the yoke from your midst, you will build up the old waste places. That means places in your life that was desolate, which is not productive or not fruitful, will suddenly blossom. And guess what? You will raise up the foundations for many generations and you will be called the repairer of the breach and the restorer of streets to dwell in. Now, I know this sounds a lot of, lot of verb, ver, uh, verbology or uh, words, but look at it. The moment you remove an accusation against anybody, heaven declares that you are a repairer of the breach and a restorer of streets to dwell in. That means things can happen for the pe person that you're ministering in. Supernatural stuff can happen because you suddenly became a repairer of the breach and a restorer of streets to dwell in. Okay, let's read Isaiah chapter 57, verse 19. Isaiah chapter 57, verse 19. He says, this is how God says, I create the fruit of the lips. Peace, peace to him who is far off, to him who is near, says the Lord. And guess what will happen? I will heal him. You see, see the condition? The moment you see peace, peace, that means you remove the yoke. When you say, like for example, you're ministering to somebody who is not a believer, correct? So what is the first thing that you do? Do you bring up his sins? No. Do you bring up some condition that he needs to do so that his life shall be uh, corrected before he can be healed? No. Should he believe in the Lord Jesus before he is healed? No, <laughs> you see, you're, he, you're just saying, peace, peace. The moment you say peace, peace, and if he's willing to receive it, guess what? God says, I will heal him. I'm telling you, it. you drop the entry barriers to receiving victory supernaturally. You say peace, peace. So Jesus did that. See, a lot of the people who became believers were people who got healed first and believed in Jesus later. They didn't believe in Jesus first and then got healed. It was always the opposite. He would go and say, daughter, be of good cheer. Your faith has made you well. Or son, be of good cheer. Your sins are forgiven you. The guy is not even asked to be forgiven. The guy is not even said that he is a sinner. But God, Jesus uses this principle to ministry. He says, I will remove the yoke first. And the moment you remove the yoke, when you say peace, peace, the healing follows immediately. Healing is automatic. Let me ask you a question. Uh, if, 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 you, if, if a person is in prison for a crime 
And if the president pardons him, sitting in Washington, D.C., what happens to him in the prison in Dallas County? He goes out. He goes out. He cannot stay. How long can he stay? Hold on, hold on. Uh, I'll think about the question that I asked. So the president in Washington, D.C. commutes, uh, sorry, pardons him in Washington, D.C. The guy is in prison in uh, Dallas County. When does he get released? As soon as the word reaches. As soon as the word reaches whom? The officials. So now if he decides to stay in the prison, what happens to him? No, he cannot. He becomes a trespasser of federal property. Think about it. Now he will be put in prison for staying in prison. <laughs> Let me repeat this. Now you will be put in prison for staying in prison. See, that's how powerful healing is. The moment your sins have been cancelled, the moment your iniquity has been wiped out, the moment you have been declared not guilty, you cannot be held by sickness and disease. Sickness and disease vomits you out into healing. You can, you, because now the officials become guilty of trespassing, of keeping a guy who is righteous in prison. You see the power of this healing of the words, the fruit of your lips? That's the fruit of the lips that God uses to release the oppressed on the earth. Let me, let me show you a verse. Isaiah chapter 51, verse 16. What does God use to create the new heaven and new earth? How, how does he, how does he, you know, everyone say the earth is messed up. Uh, everything is in shambles. We are having a tough time. God says, you know what? I have a solution. I am going to replant this. I'm going to create a new heaven. I'm going to recreate a new earth and I'm going to plant it. How am I going, going to do it? Look at verse Isaiah chapter 51, verse 16. And I have put my words in your mouth. Say, his words in my mouth. His words in my mouth will, and then says, I have covered you with the shadow of my hand that I may plant the heavens and lay the foundations of the earth and say to Zion, you are my people. That means God's words of peace in your mouth is the instrument for God to plant heaven. And earth. See, God cannot do it apart from you. His words in your mouth plants heaven and plants earth. That's the power of these words, the fruit of your lips called peace, peace. I know we are getting into some real deep teaching, but I want you to grasp it. God uses his words of peace in your mouth to accomplish his purpose both on, in heaven and on earth. I know it is so deep, you, may, you, you, will, it, you will need to meditate on it and understand it and marinate on it and again and again. God's word, I'm going to repeat this once again, get it into your spirit. God's word in your mouth is the instrument that God uses to plant both the heavens and the earth. You know, that is why you can, you can create eternal fruit because nothing on earth is eternal. But you can create eternal fruit by your ministry because by your words in your mouth, by releasing the oppressed on the earth. And this is powerful. Okay, let's go because we have to cover so much ground. I want to go to uh, Isaiah chapter 57 verse 14. Isaiah chapter 57 verse 14. This is what it says. And one shall say, this is what God is saying. Heap it up, heap it up. 
prepare the way. Take the stumbling block out of the way of my people. God's plan for restoration on the world is like this. He says, remove the stumbling block out of my people. And what is the stumbling block? The stumbling block is that you, your sins have separated you from God. That's the stumbling block. But you'll say, Anil, but that is the truth, isn't it? Your sins have separated you from God. I agree. It was the truth. But the truth right now is what? That God in Christ Jesus has put away not just your sins, but the sins of the whole world. See, that is the gospel of Jesus Christ. The gospel of Jesus Christ is not you going to heaven. The gospel of Jesus Christ is that God has put away that offense against every man in the world. And now he can release miracles for anybody because he has put away that. And he has committed to you that ministry of reconciliation. He's put words of peace in your mouth. And he says, you do it. Remove the stumbling block out of the way of my people. Okay. Let's go to Isaiah chapter 59 verse 21. Uh, 59 verse 21. So then the next question is, how long shall I proclaim these words of peace? How long can I say that your sins are forgiven? How long will it rem- how, how long? What if a person commits the sin again? Or what if he messes up again? This is what God says about this new covenant. Isaiah chapter 59 verse 21. This is the new covenant. As for me, says the Lord, this is my covenant with them. My spirit, say my spirit. My spirit. My spirit which is who is upon you, that's upon Jesus, and my words, which I have put in your mouth, that I put in Jesus' mouth, my words shall not depart from your mouth, nor from the mouth of your descendants, not from the mouth of your descendants, descendants, says the Lord, from this time and forevermore. So what he's saying is, there are two things in this new covenant that God will never take away, George, never take away. One is what? The Holy Spirit. That God has put it on you. Second, what is that? Words. The words. The words of peace that God has put in your mouth towards you and towards pe- his people. God says he will never remove it. He's never going to change his opinion. Remember Raj just shared. He said, nobody told me that my sins have been put away forever. Nobody ever told me that. Isaiah chapter 54 is true. That I will never remember your sins again. I'll never be angry with you. Nobody ever told me this news, right? So this is the truth. He says, this words of peace is not temporary till your next bad behavior. (laughs) It is an eternal word. It's always in your mouth and it will be rare forever. You say, but my husband messes up. I'm sorry. It's not changing towards you. It's not changing towards him. It's not changing towards you and it is not changing towards her. Why? Because that that stumbling block has been removed once for all in God's eyes. Do you do you believe that? Do you believe that? Okay. Okay, now let's go and see something very powerful. Let's come to that chapter which talks about removing the mountain. And what is this mountain that we always talk about? I Matthew chapter 17. I'm so excited to share this chapter with you. Because you will understand this chapter in a new perspective that you never understood before. I, uh, Matthew chapter 17. Matthew chapter 17. Uh, everybody's there at that Matthew chapter 17? Okay. 
let's let's uh, read from uh, verse 1 now after six days jesus took peter james and john his brother led him up on a high mountain by themselves high mountain right now obviously the the uh, the 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 object of this whole chapter is about a high mountain say a high mountain it's, it, I know it's about Jesus, but it's really about this high mountain. Say high mountain. high mountain. High mountain. Okay. And he was transfigured before them. His face, his face became like the sun and his clothes became as white as light. So Jesus has become completely righteous in the sight of his disciples on which mountain? This mountain. Right? Okay. And behold, Moses and Elijah appeared to him, talking with him. Wow! Now we're getting a clue. What mountain is this? Because two people have showed up on this mountain. Which are the two people? The law and the prophets. The law, the law and the prophets. Moses and the prophets. The law, which is represented by Moses, and the prophets, which is represented by Elijah, both have showed up. So obviously this mountain is where the law and the prophets is. Amen? Do you agree at this point of time? Okay, so the mountain. But in, in, in before the law and the prophets, who is completely righteous? Jesus. Jesus. Because only Jesus can meet the standards of the law and the prophets. You see, only Jesus can fulfill the law and the prophets. No man can fulfill the law and the prophets. Only Jesus is perfect. Only Jesus is white and no fault in him. Correct? So, so he's at that point. Then look at verse 4. Then Peter answered and said to Jesus, Lord, it is good for us to be here. Hold on to that thought and we'll visit it and say, we'll, we'll check whether it was good for Peter to be here. What is your guess? Is it, was it good for Jesus, Peter to be there? We don't know, right? At this point of time. Okay. But according to Peter, it is good for us to be here. Correct? It's good for us to be here. Because man throughout history, believers and unbelievers, they've always comforted with Mount Sinai. <laughs> they always love Mount Sinai. Because Mount Sinai is the place where you can boast. Because man who does it, lives by them because if you are good it's because you had good karma because you did good stuff every religion boasts about a mountain if it's a samaritan woman she has a mountain if it is uh, hindus they have a mountain remember you've seen many of the temples are always built on the top of a mountain why because it has lot of steps for you to go up because by the time you reach up you can boast i climbed up the mountain <laughs> That's why when God, when Mo Moses was told to make an altar, he said, do not make any steps. Why? Because I don't want you to boast that you came up to my altar on steps. That the, you, the covenant of Jesus Christ is a covenant of no stairs. You have nothing to boast about. You cannot climb up. You cannot walk up. You cannot beat yourself up. You cannot scourge yourself. You cannot fast enough. You cannot... Uh, 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 do charitable deeds enough for you to be there. But man loves 
Mount Sinai, man loves the law and the prophets because man always thinks that the law and the prophets justify them. But the law and the prophets never justify man. It always accuses and condemns you. Did you know that? Because you are good as, as long as you commit the first sin. You know, that's one of the reasons. And this is amazing. You can see it. Some of the greatest ministries that have fallen in Christianity have all many times before they fell, they were very accusatory of certain particular sin in the body of Jesus Christ. <laughs> because the same instrument that they used to condemn is the instrument that Satan uses to condemn them. Go back and check it. They are suddenly very angry about one particular sin. And they are finding an offense against some believer. Or they are angry about certain other church. They are angry about certain people group. They are angry against certain particular thing. And guess what? They, are, they have not removed the stumbling block out from the midst of the people. And guess what happens? They get accused and they fall. Because... Mount Sinai has a certain level of comfort factor to it because it says that, you know, I am good at these five things and therefore you are not good enough for this place. You have something to boast about. So, but Peter said, it is good for us to be here. If you wish, let us make here three tabernacles, one for you, one for Moses, one for Elijah. That means who is equal to Jesus in this point of time? Moses and Elijah, Moses and Elijah is on the same level as Jesus. Let's see whether God the Father agrees. While he was still speaking, behold, a bright cloud overshadowed them and suddenly a word, voice came out of the cloud saying, this is my beloved son, one. This is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. Hear him. See, don't depend on the law and the prophets. Trust him, not the law and the prophets. Why? What is wrong with the law and the prophets? It is only good as much as it points to Jesus. But once it points to Jesus, trust Jesus. Because he is the mountain that you need to live on, build your house on, not Mount Sinai. You got it? You get the picture? Okay, keep going. And when the disciples heard it, they fell on their faces and they were greatly afraid. Now Jesus came and touched them and said, Arise, do not be afraid. When they lifted up their eyes, they saw no one but Jesus only. So that's a picture. What happened to the law and the prophets? They've gone because Jesus has fulfilled the law and the prophets. And they saw Jesus only. And as they came down from the mountain, Jesus commanded to them saying, Tell the vision to no one till the Son of Man is risen from the dead. Then his disciples said to him saying, Why do they say that Elijah must come first? So Elijah did come first. Because the prophets came before Jesus came. Uh, Jesus answered and said to them, Indeed, Elijah is coming first and will restore all things. But I say to you that Elijah has already come and they, they knew him. They did not know him, but they did to him whatever they wished. Likewise, the Son of Man is also about to suffer at their hands. Then the, the disciples understood that he spoke to them of John the Baptist. Okay. So when they came down, now they just, they just come down from this mountain. Remember this mountain was on a high mountain. They just came down from this mountain. When they came down, the multitude, when they came down, 
when they had come to the multitude, a man came to him, kneeling down to him and said, Lord, have mercy on my son, for he is an epileptic and suffers severely, for he often falls into the fire and often into the water. So I brought him to your disciples, but they could not cure him. This is amazing. See, these are the disciples that would cast out demons, uh, raise the dead, uh, heal the sick. They could do all kinds of things, but for some reason, but for some reason, they couldn't heal this epileptic. Jesus answers uh, and said, Oh, faithless and perverse generation, how long shall I be with you? How long shall I bear with you? Bring him here to me. So Jesus says, the reason you could not do this is because you don't have faith. But how come they could heal all the other people? But how could they not heal this epileptic? We have studied this chapter so many times. But let me give you what Jesus is trying to explain out here. Jesus is saying, the reason you could not heal this epileptic is because you had less faith or no faith? Answer my question. No faith. No faith. It says faithless. Means what? No faith. No faith. No faith. No, but there are people who say, no, only if I had more faith. No, 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 no. The standard for healing and victory is not more faith. The standard for healing and victory is just faith. But, but there is doctrines of men which says that you need to have more faith for greater miracles. No. It, you just need to have faith. Because faith is not about you. Faith is about the Lord Jesus Christ. Because there is nothing to boast about faith. Either you have faith or you have no faith. Here he says, oh, faithless and perverse. Perverse means when, when, when somebody tells you perverse, it, what does it mean? It means you are substituting one for another and giving it the same uh, value. That's what perverse means. Perverse means like, for example, you say uh, in sexuality, perverse sexuality. Like, for example, you have exchanged sex with or sexual relationship with people and you are now having sexual relationship with animals. Now you're replacing one with another and giving equal value to the other. You got it? So it's called perverse, perverse lifestyle. lifestyle. When you're replacing one with another and giving it equal value. So what he's saying is you not only have no faith, but you are replacing the method to receive your victory with something that cannot get you the victory. That's called perversion. You're perverse. Because, and what is the key out here? They were trying to do something to heal this person without going through Jesus. And let's understand this. He says, bring, how long shall I bear with you? Bring him here to me. Then Jesus rebuked the demon and it came out of him. And the, the child was cured from that very hour. See, again, a classic example. Healing happened gradually or immediately. Immediately, because remember the thing, Dallas County Jail, <laughs> there is, you cannot stay there because you become a trespasser of federal property. That epilepsy cannot stay in that bo boy's body because Jesus is now declared him righteous and he heals him and we'll, we'll show the principle. Now, the disciples came to Jesus privately and said this billion dollar question. 
why could we not cast it out? Okay, this is where that answer comes of Jesus. What is the answer? It says, because of your unbelief. Let's not make it more complicated. <laughs> does it say because of your less belief or does it say because of your unbelief? Unbelief, that means they did not have any faith. Correct? Okay. For assuredly I say to you, so he's trying to clarify his uh, the word that he said of unbelief. So that is very offensive to the disciples because the disciples would have been say would be thinking when Jesus said that you don't you don't have faith, you are perverse, and you you are you do not and you have no belief. So they would have felt very offended. They would have said, No, 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 Jesus, this is not true. I do have faith. I have done miracles before this. How can you say that I don't have faith? So Jesus clarifies this. I am not telling you that you have less faith. I am telling you that you have no faith. So he, he rubs it in. <laughs> How do you like when Jesus rubs it in? So he says, for I say to you, if you had faith as a mustard seed. Oh, wow. He's going there. <laughs> he's, he's going there where, he's, he, where you don't want him to go. He says, if you had faith as small as a mustard seed, you would, the first thing, the first manifestation of faith in your life is what? Your words. The first manifestation, a lot of people say, brother, I have faith. Or sister, I have faith. But nothing comes out from their mouth. You got it? See, that's not faith. My spirit and my words, how is he going to plant the heavens and the earth? Plant the earth means what? Like, for example, if you're believing for a house, a debt-free house, that means he, you, uh, you want God to plant a supernatural manifestation of prosperity in a world which depends on mortgage, correct? It is supernatural. But how can he do it? He says, okay, what? I'm going to put my words in your mouth. Faith means you will say something. So the first thing that you will do is what? He says, you will say to this mountain, which mountain? The mountain that they just came down from. He's not talking about any mountain. Oh, we have studied this passage and he says, the mountain is the, uh, the, the challenge that is before you. No. He's saying, if you say, you will say to this mountain. See, before your miracle has to happen, what does Isaiah 51 said? What did Isaiah 57 say? What is the first thing that you need to do before your healing springs forth? You have to remove the yoke. You, what's that, Manor? Remove the yoke. You have to remove the yoke. So the first thing that you have to do is you have to say to this mountain, which mountain? The mountain that he just walked down from. And what mountain was that? That was the mountain of the law and the prophets. You have to say to this mountain, why, why is Jesus saying, speak to this mountain, be from here, move from here to there. Where is the there? Because in the other, in the other gospel, it says where the there is. Where is that there? In the sea. In the sea. <laughs> he says, I don't even want to see this mountain. It is not a translocation of the by, uh, mountain so that you cannot see. He, who does not want to see the mountain? God. 
God doesn't want to see the mountain. He wants, doesn't want to see this mountain. Why? He says, move from here to there and it will move. Which mountain will move? The law and the prophets will move. Why? Why? Why do you want the law and the prophets to move between your miracle and uh, and and you? See, you are the law and the prophets are standing between you and your manifestation of your healing. The law and the prophets are standing between you and your victory. The law and the prophets are standing between you and your uh, breakthrough. You're, the law and the prophets are standing between you and your inheritance. But you will say, Anil, how can the law and the prophets stand between me? I thought the law and the prophets are good. I'm sorry. The law and the prophets is accusing you, saying that you have not met the standard of righteousness that God has established. And you don't deserve it. You have sinned. God says, Wait, why don't you remove the mountain first? Once you remove, look at the verse. And this is the word that I had completely missed. I have read this verse so many times. And I thought the miracle was the moving of the mountain. The miracle is not the moving of the mountain. The miracle is the and in this verse. What is the miracle? It says, and nothing will be impossible for you. See, what happens is, once the mountain is moved, what is the miracle? Nothing is, is impossible. Nothing is impossible for you. There you put your healing. That's your miracle. There you put your job situation. That's your miracle. There you put your relationship. That's your miracle. Why? Between each one of them is this mountain that stands between you and your miracle. So we have rejoiced for the longest time saying that, oh, oh, the mountain got removed. No! <laughs> the mountain got removed is just setting you up to say, do what? Nothing is nothing possible. For you to say words that will produce fruit. See, if the mountain is there and if you are still saying words, will it happen? No. You have to move the yoke first. You have to move the pointing of the finger first. You have to move the iniquity first. You have to remove it first and then speak. First remove, then speak. Repeat after me. First remove, first remove. then speak. Then speak. You have to follow the order. You have to remove the pointing of the finger. You have to remove the yoke. This is how Jesus' miracles happened in his ministry. And I will show it to you. And once you have seen it, you cannot unsee it. You will look at the gospel in completely new light. In every miracle of Jesus, you will now look for what first? Removing of the mountain. You will see where is he removing the mountain. That's what you're going to look for. And you'll say, okay, oh, he just removed the mountain. Guess what? Now the miracle is going to happen. And you start looking at it and it completely changes your perspective on your spirit-driven life. Nothing will be impossible for you. Let me, let me ask you this question. Whose words are this? Nothing will be impossible for you. Jesus. It's red letter words. Jesus' words. This is not, this is not flattery. This is not hyperbole. 
hyperbole. It is not exaggeration. This is the truth. He said, nothing will be impossible for you. Nothing. Now, let, let's look at the next verse. Now, in some of the translations, this verse, one, one part of the word is added. But let's look at it. However, this kind does not go out except by prayer and fasting. Now, he's talking about the miracle, not about the mountain. Because what does the mountain say? If you say to the mountain, move from here to there, what will happen? It will move. So there is no question about the mountain. That means the law and the prophets will move out from your, between you and your miracle because Jesus is your righteousness right now. He has fulfilled the law and it will move out. And, but the miracle itself will not happen uh, except by prayer. And the word fasting is added by later translations in the manuscripts. It is not there in the original. And fasting. Because, because the previous verse is so broad that people cannot take it. The breadth of what has been asked. Like nothing is impossible for you. And there was that some level of boasting involved. That like, oh, if I do prayer but also I have to add fasting to it. The, the fasting is, is not there in many of the manuscripts. But even if I say, even if I give it, that okay, the word fasting is there. Go back to Isaiah chapter 58 uh, verse 6. What is the fast that God wants? Breaking the yoke. <laughs> Breaking the yoke. So he says, but this kind does not come. Now let's replace the word fast by the fast of Isaiah chapter 58. The, this kind shall not, does not go out except by prayer. That means asking and breaking the yoke. Breaking the yoke. You understand? So even if I leave the word fasting there, it still meets the criteria of the kind of yoke removing that God is demanding of you. He's asking you to remove the mountain. Say, remove the mountain. Okay. So, so, coming back to the question. So, why could the disciples not cast it out? Because they did not remove the mountain. How do we know that? You know, in this passage, it is not evident. But if you go to Mark chapter 19, 14 Mark chapter 9 verse 14 this small detail is mentioned by Mark in the same incident uh, that uh, uh, Matthew was talking about look at what he says when Jesus had come to the disciples when he had he's just come down from the mountain when he came to the disciples he saw a great multitude around them and the scribes disputing with them. Who are the scribes? Teachers of the law. They are the teachers of the law. So every other miracle they were doing in Jesus' name. But when it comes to this miracle, what are they doing? Arguing with the scribe. They are arguing with the scribe and they are talking. Of, and what do you think the scribes are telling these disciples? Preach the law. 
They must be saying something like, oh, this is a Sabbath. You, should, you, cannot, he, you cannot do this. Oh, did you wash your hands? Oh, are, are, you, are you taught all the Torah? Oh, did you keep the feast? Oh, you are not even wearing your prayer shower. Oh, so guess what? They are depending on the law to remove the miracle, do the miracle. They are disputing with them. And immediately, verse 15, immediately when they saw him, all the people were greatly amazed and running to him, greeted him. Look at Jesus' question. Brothers and sisters, nothing that Jesus says is an accident or words to just fill the Bible. And he said to the, he asked the scribes, what are you discussing with them? <laughs> what are you discussing with them? What are you discussing with them? What, are they, what do you think they were discussing with them? They were discussing why they cannot heal this epileptic. Why? Because the law and the prophets is against this miracle. Do you see the picture, brothers and sisters? Do you see it? The scribes, they were depending on the law. Jesus is saying, why are you? That's why you don't have any faith. Because you are now depending on the law to justify this, uh, uh, this demon to be removed. You are using the law. You are using the boast of your law. And you cannot use the law and the prophets. You cannot... Talk about your charity, how good you have been, all your karma that you have had, all the good things that you have done in your life, for any miracle in your life. Nor can you, you your sins, you cannot allow your sins to stand in the gap of your miracle. There are two obstacles to your miracle. One is your sins and the other is your good deeds. And you'll say, no, that doesn't make any sense. I know my sins are an obstacle, but how come my good deeds are an obstacle? They are an obstacle because if you're depending on it to heal you. Because you're still depending on the law and the prophets. You got it? Do you see it? Do you see it? Okay. Let's go to Galatians chapter uh, uh, 3 verse 10. Galatians chapter 3 verse 10. This is the curse of the law. This is the curse of the law. I want every one of you all to underline these three verses that I say to you. Underline it. I know because lot, many people don't teach this. But I want you to underline it. Because I want, I'm trying to give you a... Rev, understand the Holy Spirit is giving all of us a revelation of what stops the impossible things from happening in our life. This is the impossible thing. He says... For as many as are under the works of the law are under the curse. Say under the curse. Under the curse. Anybody who is of the law is under the curse. The moment you say, I depend on the law, suddenly you are automatically under the curse. Cursed is everyone who does not continue in how many things? All things. All things. See, the curse is, this curse of the law is so I mean, this is the most poisonous venom in the world. They say the most poisonous venom in the world is the venom of a, a, a jellyfish called the box, the box jellyfish. It's found many times in the, uh, on the shores of Australia near the Great uh, Barrier Reef. Uh, so the box jellyfish, 
uh, toxin is so powerful that within a um, couple of seconds, you can go into paralytic shock. But I'm telling you, the most deadly venom in this world is the law. Because you have to continue in all things that is written in the book of the law to do them. The moment you volunteer to take this test, you are declared failed. Why would you even start taking the test? The moment you sign up for the test, you get an email saying that you have failed. <laughs> you just sign up. You put in the login. The opening screen is you have failed. That, that is why Jesus in his Lord's Prayer, he said one verse. He said, do not lead us into testings. <laughs> but he says, don't give us this test of the law. I am not coming to you, to you, Father, by saying how good I am in keeping all the law. Do not give me this test, but deliver me from this accuser. Because you come by, this kind does not come except by prayer. That means by asking. Don't come by boasting. Say, don't boast. Don't boast. Ask. 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 So the opposite of boast is ask. That's why God, Jesus said, by house shall be called a house of prayer. That means a house of asking. You cannot come to my house and say how good you were. You cannot come to my house and say, I am an evil person. That's not going to do any help. You have to come to my house and say, I need grace, Abba Father. Give it to me. Ask. Open your mouth and ask. If a son asks his bread for father for bread, will he give him a stone? Nothing to do with how bad he is. He's just depending on the fact that he is a son and he has a father. Come asking. Don't come boasting. So when you come to God, always remove the mountain. Always remove the mountain. Got it? Okay. Look at the next verse. The most powerful verse of, uh, about the law in the, in the New Testament. One of the most powerful law verses. It says, but that, no, but that no one is justified by the law in the sight of God is evident. For the just shall live by faith, not by the law. Wow. Look at verse chapter 3 verse 12. Did you know this is in the Bible? The law is not a faith. <laughs> you, you cannot get it more black and white. So when Jesus told the disciples of faithless and perverse generation, what do you think they had? The law. They had the law. The law is not a faith. Underline it. Anytime Satan tempts you to depend on the law, point him to this verse. He says, the law is not of faith, not of faith, but the man who does them shall live by them. Let me ask you a question. Can you do them? Can you do what the law says? You cannot. If you have not realized this by now, <laughs> either, either you are deceived or you are dead. One of them. <laughs> you cannot. You have to do everything. The law is not of faith. And then the next verse. Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law. Having become a curse for us. That curse is everyone 
who hangs on a tree. So Christ became a curse for us. That curse rested on Jesus Christ. Okay. Let's go back to Matthew chapter 17 verse 26. Then Jesus said, then Peter said to them from strangers, Jesus said to them, then the sons are free. This is the, this is important to know. The sons are free. Same chapter. At the bottom of the chapter, and I don't have time to go through all the verses, Jesus makes a statement. The sons are free. See, they are free from the law. They are free from the yoke. They are free from this mountain. They are free from this bondage. The sons are free. You are no longer the sons of the bond woman. You are the sons of Jerusalem, heavenly Jerusalem. That is free. You are free. You are free. So don't go back into bondage is what the word says. Okay, go to Matthew chapter uh, 21 verse 20. Talk about the fig tree. How many of you all know? Sorry. uh, Yeah, Matthew chapter 21 verse uh, 20. Talked about the fig tree. You remember when Jesus cursed the, uh, said to the fig tree, you shall not bear fruit anymore. How quickly did the uh, fig tree die? Immediately. Immediately. You stop with Jesus. Everything is right away because there is no nothing stopping. There's no mountain between him and his words. Correct? So then when the disciples saw it, they marveled, saying, How did the fig tree wither away so soon? Again, doesn't make any sense. According to the world, fig trees, if it dies, it has to take a couple of times. Like when the, the snow, you see, the snow doesn't thaw right away. Even though it's hard, it takes about two days, right? We just, we just experience it. But... But that's a natural law, but not the supernatural. Supernatural, everything can happen suddenly. Look at what Jesus says in the next verse. Actually, I say to you, if you have faith, doesn't say more faith. If you have faith and do not doubt, you will not only do what was said to the fig tree, but also, again, he's reaffirming this. If he says, if you have faith, you will say. Now, I want you to repeat after me. If you have faith... If you have faith, you will say, you will say say to the mountain. See, again, this mountain is showing up here. Different place, different situation. But it's about faith. When faith shows up, mountain has to disappear. Because the law is not of faith. If faith shows up, the law has to disappear. Because the law is not of faith. So if faith shows up, the mountain has to disappear. He says, you have to say to this mountain, be removed and be cast into the sea and it will be done. And then look at the next verse. You see the word and? Yes. What does it say? And whatever things you ask, See, now that the mountain has been removed, whatever, wow, just let it sink in. Just let it sink in. Jesus does not qualify your whatever. Whatever things you ask in prayer, again, now you have, now you operate in that next instruction of asking. Whatever things you ask in prayer, believing, you will receive. Wow. You, now that the mountain has gone, and people have missed the word and in both the verses. 
The mountain is not the miracle, brothers and sisters. The miracle is this, but the mountain is what stops the miracle from happening in your life. And whatever things you ask, remove the mountain, ask. Let me ask you humbly, repeat after me. Remove the mountain, remove the mountain. Ask. 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 Follow this principle. Okay, now let's go to what, what do you do with this mountain? Micah chapter 7, 7 verse 18. What is this mountain? He, we definitely know the mountain is supposed to go into the sea according to Jesus. So what is this mountain? Micah chapter 7 verse 18. Who is a God like you? Pardoning iniquity and passing over the transgression of the remnant of his heritage. Wow. See, what talk about the yoke. He's getting ready to remove the mountain. He's pardoning iniquity. That means the mountain is going to be removed. Your iniquity is going to be removed. He does not retain his anger forever because he delights in mercy. Let's translate it. He delights in removing mountains. <laughs> he delights in removing mountains. He will again have compassion on us he will subdue our iniquities. And where, what does he do with our sins? Cast all our sins into the depths of the sea. You will cast all our sins into the depths of the sea. Now we know what goes into the sea. What goes into the sea? Sins. Your sins. And look at the next verse. You will give truth to Jacob and mercy to Abraham. That's righteousness. Remember your healing? Your righteousness goes before you and your glory hedges you behind and your healing springs forth speedily. Truth is righteousness. God gives you his righteousness as a gift the moment you remove the mountain from before you. His sins, he's cast into the sea. Okay, Zechariah chapter 9 verse 4 says, Behold, the Lord will cast her out. He's talking about Satan and his kingdom. That's the law. He uses the law against you. He will destroy her power in the sea. See, God destroys the power of Satan. And what is the power of Satan? The law. The law. How does he destroy it? He destroys it in the sea. But, 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 it doesn't make sense. Are you telling me that God has put the law in the sea? Okay. What is he trying to say? He has to find a place where he cannot see it himself. So the only place where he cannot see it himself is he says, put it under the sea. I don't want to see your sins against me forever because my, your sins have found a fulfillment in Jesus who became a curse for you. It has rested. Jesus has rested. Are you ready to see something that will bless you? Say amen. amen. You know the first mention of the word mountain in the Bible. The first mention of the word mountain in the Bible is where? Oh. What's that? Where's that, Julie? Is it Caleb? Caleb, no. Yeah. Let's no, not in Mount of Let's go to Genesis chapter 7, verse 19. See, 
remember the law of first mention in the bible when you study the bible there is a rule the rule is called law of first mention so whenever a word is mentioned for the first time in the bible the word that is associated with it is what defines that word that means there is a reason why it has been mentioned for the first time and there's a reason what god wants out of that word always you can use this in your bible study the, the when the first time the word mountain is used the bible the the uh, the, the the it's in genesis chapter 7 verse 19 let's read it and the waters prevailed exceedingly on the earth and all and all the high hills under the whole heaven was covered. The waters prevailed 15 cubits upward and the mountains were covered. So the first mention of the mountain, the same word, hills and the mountains in the Hebrew is the same word, hararim, which is the mountain. The first mention of the word mountain in the Bible, what is the description about it? They are in the sea. Because God doesn't want the mountain between you and him. He wants the mountain under the sea. Did you, know, did you notice this? Okay, let's look at the next verse. What's on that, what was on that mountain? Because the law, Genesis chapter 7 verse 21. And all the flesh died. How much flesh died? Because the law boasts what? The flesh. <laughs> See, only on the mountain of the law can you boast about your flesh. What is your flesh? Your power, your willpower, your discipline, your, uh, your uh, everything, everything yours. About, about your, your efforts. Oh, my heritage, my... Uh, bloodline, my pedigree, my achievements. These are all the flesh. But guess what happened when the mount waters covered the sea? What died? The flesh died. All flesh died. That moved on the earth. Everything that moved on the earth. Birds and cattle. Beasts and every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. And how many men? Every man. Every man. Because by the works of the law, Galatians chapter 3, verse 10, no man, say no man, no man can live. Only by faith the just shall live. So the mountain of faith is Mount Zion, which is Jerusalem. You can only live on that mountain. You, any other mountain on which flesh dwells will die. Say will die. Will die. Will die. Okay. This will bless you. And today the Holy Spirit showed something so powerful. And the verse, Genesis chapter 7, verse 24. Verse 24. And the waters prevailed on the earth 150 days. And let's go to Genesis chapter 8, verse 4. Then what Noah and the, uh, uh, his family was in the ark. They were not on a mountain. They were in the ark. So it say the, uh, Moses, uh, Noah was in the ark. In, say in the ark. Yeah. In the ark. 
the peep the uh, the the world was on the mountain right mountain right see so noah was in the ark but the world was on the mountain the mountains were covered in the sea so everybody who lived on that mountain died noah was in the ark but noah's ark floated above the waters you see the difference so what is the ark the ark is a picture of the lord jesus christ because he is the ark he is the ark in fact the bible says that the 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 tar that uh, god instructed moses to cover the ark with the asphalt ark the hebrew word for tar is atonement <laughs> inside the same hebrew word for tar in the hebrew is atonement that means he was living and walking on atonement inside the ark that's a beautiful picture okay then the ark rested in the seventh month on the 17th day on the mountains of ararat you know the this name of the word ararat means what what does ararat mean the ark rested on ararat that means for some reason the law was satisfied the ark satisfied the mountains of ararat the word ararat means and write it down if you are taking notes it says curse reversed curse reversed and precipitation of the curse <laughs> this is a beautiful meaning what it means is the curse was you know if you have ever been if you have ever taken chemistry in your high school and if you ever done uh, if you mix up a solution and it is fully cloudy like sodium uh, i don't know sodium hyd- there is some so- solution where it, if anybody is a chemistry major they can talk about it's fully cloudy and you want to separate the two elements they will say put some element in it correct and when you add it suddenly it causes that suspended particles to all precipitate and settle down all these particles are cloudy but the moment you put this one part one chemical the whole thing precipitates and they all settle down and then you can pour out the top liquid and settle remove the solid so the the curse was hanging in the all the earth and it was affecting everything every creation every living being but something happened that came into the world and the curse precipitated what was that the ark rested on the mountains of ararat when jesus came into the world when the ark came into the world curse found its fulfillment it released all its venom into the lord jesus christ and it was fully satisfied so the law was fully satisfied when jesus came so he is the mountain on which he rest only that is why on the mount of transfiguration he was fully lit up and transfigured now you understand why he shone so glory because this mountain was waiting for the ark to show up and the moment the ark showed up what does god had to do with that mountain god said now from now on speak to the mountain that you are fulfilled in jesus move out ever since that that mountain god says tell that mountain to move out 
Tell the law and the prophets, you have been fulfilled in Christ Jesus. I am righteous just like Jesus is righteous. I have the righteousness of the Lord God the Father and I can receive impossible things right now. Did you get it? See, the law, the ark rested on the mountains of Ararat. The ark has met, the mountains of Ararat has met its fulfillment. Look at powerful. But let me ask you a question. Has the waters decreased yet? When the ark rested on the mountains of Ararat, did the waters decrease over the mountains? Not yet. Let's look at the next verse. And the waters decreased continually until the 10th month. In the 10th month, on the first day of the month, the tops of the mountains were seen. But I thought the mountains have to be covered. So why is the mountain suddenly being visible on the 10th month? Can somebody tell me why? <laughs> this, is, this will bless you so much. So the ark is floating on the... Uh, is, uh, there is water all over the world. All the mountains are covered. That means all the curse is covered. Correct? So, so the ark is resting on, under the water... Uh, it's resting uh, uh, above, above the, it's above the water but it is resting over the mountain but the mountain is covered so nobody can see this but suddenly on the 10th month the tops of the mountains can be seen what is that a picture of let me take you to a verse Romans chapter 7 verse 8 But sin, taking opportunity by the commandment, produced in me every manner of evil desire, for apart from the law, sin was dead. That means as long as I was in the ark, I don't have to worry about the curse. Correct? Yes or no? Because the floods are not going to touch me. I know we are getting into a little bit of a meat and not just milk, but I want to stay, stay with me. As long as you're in the ark, the curses of the world does not affect you. But look at what he says. Verse se se uh, chapter 7, verse 9. I was alive once without the law. But when the commandment came, sin revived and I died. So, a lot of people, they see um, when, they're, when they're growing up, when they're young, good things happen to them. Young, pe young people. Good things happen. The moment they come of age and they know the difference between right and wrong, suddenly they are condemned and bad things happen to them. Why? Because they become aware of the law. The moment law shows up, commandment came, sin revived and I died. Did you notice in which month did the tops of the mountains were seen? Tenth month. <laughs> Ten is a picture of the law. See, Israel was alive without the law. The moment and on Mount Sinai when the law came, they refused to depend on the blessing of Abraham. They now wanted to receive all the blessing by keeping the law. Sin revived and they died. And the tops of the mountains were seen. Did you notice that even that detail the Bible mentioned is for a reason? Don't expose your mountain, brothers and sisters. 
Don't expose the top of your mountains. Don't live in the 10th month. <laughs> Don't live by the law. Keep the mountain in the sea. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Keep the mountain in the sea. Okay, let's go to Genesis chapter 10 verse 30. The, the, the second mountain that is mentioned in Genesis chapter in the Bible is chapter Genesis chapter 10 verse 30. It says, and their dwelling place that the people were from Mesha as you go towards Sefer and the mountain of the east. Sefer means handwriting. See the the mention the the first one of the first mentions of a uh, name of a mountain is called handwriting. See the law is an handwriting of God's requirements against you. Sefer means handwriting. This handwriting was against you. Was against you. Okay. Now let's go quickly to see how Jesus operated by removing the law out from the disciples, uh, from his ministry. Uh, Matthew chapter 4, verse 22. says, and when Jesus went about all Galilee, this is the first mention of Jesus' ministry. Matthew chapter 4. When Jesus went about all Galilee, teaching in their synagogues, Preaching the gospel of the kingdom. See, the, what is the first thing he does he do? Now, now I told you how he does he heal. Always look for removing the mountain. So can you tell me where has he removing the mountain here? Preaching the gospel. Preaching the good news. So the good, what is the good news he's preaching? He's preaching the good news that your sins have been forgiven. He's removing the mountain out. The moment he preaches the God good news, and then the verse says, and healing all kinds of diseases, and all kinds of diseases. See, all kinds of sickness, and all kinds of diseases get healed when the mountain is removed. Okay. Let's go to, did you know the first, the first disciples, what was the qualification of the disciples? How did Jesus select his disciples? Just two verses before. Uh, uh, Matthew chapter 4 verse 18. And Jesus walking by the sea of Galilee saw two brothers, Simon called Peter and Andrew his brother, casting a net into the sea for they were fishermen. He said to them, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. This is just a fun, fun question. This, this I don't know how much of it is true, but it, it, when the Holy Spirit told me this, it, gives, it gave me a tickle. It said, do you know why I selected Peter and Andrew? Because they knew how to cast things into the sea. <laughs> his, his only criteria... For ministry, and this is this is this is powerful. He he wants people who can cast mountains into the sea. Amen. That's what he wants. His qualification is not Gamaliel. His qualification is not anything. He says, Do you know how to cast things into the sea? Yes, I know. 
what, what can you throw into the sea? I can throw nets. No problem. I'll teach you to throw mountains. Because the moment you throw mountains, what's happening? You will fish what? Men. You will fish men. Okay. Then he goes to the next verse. Verse 21. From then on, he saw two other brothers. James, the son of Zebedee, and John, his brother, in the boat with Zebedee, his father, mending their nets. He called them. Why do you think he called them? Same thing. They knew how to cast nets into the sea. So he got now four people who can throw stuff into the sea. You got it? I mean, you, you have to see how the, 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 word, the Bible is trying to explain something. He's saying, get the message. <laughs> the message is throw stuff into the sea. Cast it out. Okay, let's go to Matthew chapter 5. So this is just, just the next verse, right? He's just started his ministry. He's just started the ministry. What does he do in Matthew chapter 5 verse 1? What does he do? What did the ark do to reverse the curse? The ark rested. Say rested. Rested. Correct. Look at here what Jesus does. This is the true ark. This is the true ark. You, you want to know where the ark rested? Matthew chapter 5 verse 1. And seeing the multitudes, he went up on a mountain. Now your, all your antenna should stand up. Mountain. What is he going to do on this mountain? He's seated. He's seated. So what he's trying to say is, no one seems to worry about this mountain anymore. Because what am I going to do with this mountain? I'm going to sit on it. That means nobody needs to work on this mountain. Say, nobody needs to work on this mountain. Nobody needs, nobody to, needs to work on this mountain. Okay, so let's go to the next verse. Matthew chapter 7, verse 15, uh, 17. Matthew chapter 5, sorry, Matthew chapter 5. Same chapter. Now Jesus is opening his mouth and he's speaking. He's talking about the law and the prophets. He's talking about this mountain. But what is he talking about the mountain? How many of you read Matthew chapter 5 and you are so intimidated by the demands that Jesus makes on you? He says, if an eye causes you to sin, pluck it out. If a hand causes you to sin, cut it out. If he, you know, he makes this huge demands. Because what is he trying to do on this mountain? He's trying to say, you cannot live by this mountain. Don't even attempt to take this test. Don't show up for this test. Don't come to this mountain. Don't come and test your obedience on this mountain because you will fail. He spends a whole two or three chapters telling him, telling the Jews, do not come to this mountain because only I can fulfill it. And he makes this huge statement in Matthew chapter 5 verse 17. Let's read it. Do you think I came to destroy the law or the prophets? I did not come to destroy, but to fulfill. fulfill. I fulfilled it. I have fulfilled it. Look at what he says. Next verse. For assuredly I say to you, till heaven and earth pass away, one yacht means one apostrophe or one tittle 
will not by no means pass from the law till all is fulfilled. That's the good news. What's the good news? That's not the good news. Yes, that is the good news. But what is the good news for you and me? We don't need. We don't need to keep it anymore. That is. Tell me the exact verse in the in this passage in this verse. That is the good news. The law will pass away. <laughs> Did you see this? The law will pass away. Why? It will only pass away when it is fulfilled. But the moment it is fulfilled, what happens? It will pass away. It will pass away. It, you see, now it, it doesn't. See, it's very clear. Assuredly, I say to you, till heaven and earth pass away, one jot or tittle by no means pass from the law till all is fulfilled. That means the law will pass away. Once it is fulfilled, it will pass away. Because Jesus has fulfilled it. That is why you have the authority and the right to speak to the mountains, to go into the sea. Because the law has been fulfilled. The law has been fulfilled. I say to you, look at what he says. Then he says, the law is so powerful. He says, verse, verse 19. Whoever breaks one of the least of these commandments and teaches men so. You cannot break this law. He shall be called the least of the in the kingdom. But whoever does and teaches them, if you are, if anybody in this crowd, if any ministry wants to teach the law, you are allowed to teach the law. But according to this qualification, Jesus says, What is your qualification? Who is qualified to teach the law? Who? Who follows the law? Who does the law? But who does it? You cannot teach the law, but you cannot keep the law. If you are attempting to teach the law, you have to keep the law. But what happens when you attempt to keep the law? You're going to fail. You are, you are, you are signing up for an auto email alert, auto email response. <laughs> you know these auto email you send, do not reply to this email account. It is unmonitored and you die. <laughs> And you get this email saying, you die. And you cannot even reply to that email that you are dead. You are, it's an autoresponder. The law is an autoresponder. You touch it, you get an autoresponse. You die. And then he makes a statement in verse 20. He says, unless your righteousness exceeds the righteousness of the scribes. Remember the scribes are the ones who stopped the miracle of the paralytic. Your righteousness has to exceed their righteousness. You will by no means enter the kingdom of heaven. Wow. 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 You cannot enter the kingdom of heaven if your righteousness does not exceed the Pharisees and the scribes. That means you cannot enter with the righteousness of the law. You can only enter the kingdom of God with the righteousness of the Lord Jesus Christ as a gift. Amen. Amen. Okay. Amen. Amen. Okay, uh, Matthew chapter 7, verse 1. Matthew chapter 7, verse 1. Judge not, and you will not be judged. The law, when you, you, when you operate under the law, you are very quick to judge. So there are two contrasts. If you, if you are constantly judging people, 
you are judging yourself. If you are judging uh, others, who is worthy of a miracle? Who is worthy to be healed? Who is worthy to be saved? Who should not deserve this house? Who should not deserve that car? Who should not be, uh, uh, be saved? You are constantly judging in your mind. Jesus is very clear. Because remember, it's the same chapter. He is still on the mountain. Remember, it's red, 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 red for three chapters. Jesus is saying, Matthew chapter 7, verse 1, he says, judge not. Don't even come on this mountain and don't judge. Why? Because for what judgment you judge, you will be judged. Because you can only judge because you, if you have some basis to judge, the only basis is the law. So when you judge, you are saying that I have a law that I'm depending on. The moment they use the law, guess who gets judged first? You get judged first. Judge not and you will not be judged. So what should you do? Look at verse 7. Verse 7. Ask. Ask. Remember, the, you see the contrast? Remove the mountain. And ask. ask. Remove the mountain. Ask. If you have the mountain, what do you do? You judge. You judge yourself, you judge others. But if you remove the mountain, you can ask. So he says, let me give you an alternate option. So you cannot come to this mountain. He's sitting on this mountain. When Jesus is speaking this, he's sitting on this mountain. He says, you cannot come into the kingdom coming through this mountain. But you can come by a different route. That route is what? Asking. Asking. Because... For everyone who asks, receives. See, he's giving you the alternate method. The just shall live by faith. You, you receive by asking. And then he says, then he uses this famous verse, which we all know. Now you know the context. He says, if of what man is there among you, if a son asks for bread, will you give him a stone? There is no mention of the law. There is no mention whether this son is an obedient son. There is no mention whether this, the son is doing the right things. There is no mention whether the son is diligent. There is no mention whether this son is with the pigs. There is no mention that this, this son is hanging around with the prostitutes. But he says, if the son goes into the house and asks the father for bread, will he give him a stone? Now you know why the son in the parable of the lost son received everything but the elder son did not enjoy anything why the elder son was depending on the mountain and was outside the younger son was inside though having squandered everything why because the father removed the mountain between him and the son. And the son did the next thing. What was the next thing? Ask. Ask. Wow. He received everything that the elder son couldn't receive by keeping the mountain. Do you see the picture? Okay. Okay. Let's go to Matthew chapter 7. Sorry. Let's go to Galatians chapter 4. Uh, okay, now this is Galatians chapter 1. Now we are still on the mountain. So, 
now you uh, you say anil you talked about this mountain be thrown into the sea give me a specific scripture what says that this mountain is the law and it has to be cast out give me a specific scripture okay are you ready for it yes. okay galatians chapter 4 verse 28 now we brethren as isaac was are children of promise but as he as he was born according to the flesh then persecuted him who was born according to the spirit so what happened was when isaac was born who persecuted him ishmael ishmael was a picture of somebody who lives under the law so the law was persecuting isaac he says as he was born according to the flesh that is ishmael then persecuted him who was born according to the spirit even so it is now that means even now it is like this in the world nevertheless what does the scripture say cast cast out the bond woman and her son there's the verse cast out the bond woman and the son for the son of the bond woman shall not be a heir with the son of the free woman so then brethren we are not son of the bond woman but of the free let's go to galatians chapter okay let's go let's start reading from galatians chapter 4 verse 21 onwards let's take it, let's read it very slowly i want you to get a very such a solid foundation on this mountain completely it says tell me you who desire to be under the law that means who you who desire to use this mountain to receive your victories in christ jesus tell me you who desire to be under the law do you not hear the law for it is written that abram had two sons one by a bond woman and other by a free woman but he who was a bond woman was born according to the flesh and he who was born of the free woman through promise which things are symbolic for there are two covenants say two covenants one by mount sinai which gives to birth to bondage which is hagar and this hagar is mount sinai see remember he said cast out the bond woman and the child and and here it says that hagar is mount sinai in arabia say mount sinai in arabia mount sinai in arabia see that's the mountain it's clearly defined the holy spirit is telling that mountain that i am telling you to cast out is mount sinai in arabia what is special about mount sinai in arabia what was there on mount sinai in arabia law. the law was given because he's talking about the law which is under bondage with our children okay let's go back to genesis chapter 21 verse 5 you will you have to see this this is so powerful genesis chapter 21 verse 5 now abram was 100 years old when his son isaac was born to him then sarah said god has made me laugh and all who hear will laugh with me so she also said who would have said to abram that sarah would nurse children for i have borne her a son in her old age so the son grew and was weaned see the persecution started not when he was born the persecution of isaac started when he was weaned 
and on the same day Isaac was weaned. Uh, when, so the, when the child grew and was weaned and Abraham made a great feast on the same day that Isaac was weaned. So what did Abraham do? The moment Isaac was weaned from milk, that means he, he was drinking milk for so many days, I don't know how many months or whatever, but the moment he was weaned, he stopped drinking milk, what did Abraham do? Made a celebration. Abraham gave a huge celebration. What is so special about weaning? that Abraham had to give a huge celebration because it is spiritual. It is very prophetic. It is very, uh, uh, it's very revelatory. What is the Holy Spirit is trying to say is the father desires you to be weaned of milk. He wants you to be weaned because he wants to celebrate. The moment believers are weaned of milk, the father is very happy because what are the advantages of being weaned from milk? What what am I talking what what am I talking about? You eat the meat. What meat? Steak. You will eat you can eat food. You can eat steak. But what is the steak in the, in a believer? We'll talk about it. Okay. Now what happened? The moment he was weaned. Uh, 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 Genesis chapter 21 verse 9 and Sarah saw the son of Hagar the Egyptian whom she had borne to Abraham's coffin persecution starts the moment you're weaned of milk see Satan has no problem as long as you're on milk milk is you're just born again you're just happy my sins have been put away now you're trying to become mature what is when you start stopping drinking milk and you start drinking the word of righteousness, when you start feeding on that you are righteous, that God doesn't find any fault in you, your righteousness is forever. Nobody can condemn you, nobody can accuse you. When you start meditating and on these scriptures, when you call yourself by the names that God calls you, now you're eating meat. The moment you start eating meat. Ishmael shows up. Watch this. He's so predictable. He shows up when you stop drinking milk. He comes when you're eating meat. The moment he faced persecution, what did Sarah say? Cast this born woman and her son. For the son of the born woman shall not be a heir with my son, namely with Isaac. And this matter was very displeasing in Abraham's sight. You see, why was it displeasing for Abraham to cast out Hagar and the son? Yeah, but, sp but spiritually, why? See, nobody wants to put away Mount Sinai. Why? Work of his flesh. Work of his flesh. See, all your achievements are on Mount Sinai. Let me ask you a question. The fact that Ishmael was born was whose credit? Abraham's. Abraham's credit. Wow. You know what? I have a technique. I can have a what? I can have a a, a child through a slave woman. And she can be part of my, he can be part of my inheritance. So it is whose strength is involved in this? Abraham. Abraham. So he has stuff to boast about. 
his ability to procreate. So Hagar, Hagar is a picture of his possession. Hagar was his slave. Ishmael was the child of his effort. So there is everything to boast about Hagar and Ishmael. Everybody loves Mount Sinai. Believers love Mount Sinai. They are always, it always creeps out in their dialogue. It always ooze, oozes out in some part in their life. Brother, I have been diligent all this last one year and God has blessed me. <laughs> you know, it just oozes out somewhere. Or something, something, Mount Sinai has a way to show up. It definitely shows up when your miracle is delayed. Brother, you should have patience because God is teaching you many lessons out of this example. No, he's not teaching any lessons because the miracle does not come because of what you learned. Miracle comes because he is good, not because you are good. It comes during adversity. Mount Sinai just creeps out. Everybody hates putting Mount Sinai out. Everybody. I'm telling you. So it was very displeasing. Look at what he says. Look at Genesis chapter 1, 21 verse 11. And the matter was very displeasing. See, something that is very displeasing to Abraham, Abraham had to do it. Because if Abraham had not put away Mount Sinai, he could have never inherited his promise. Because what does God say? The son of the born woman will not be a heir with the son with Isaac. That means you cannot inherit anything of the kingdom of God if you are coming through Mount Sinai. You have to put it in the sea. You have to put it in the sea. Okay. And the moment he did it, Abraham did it. Guess what? Same chapter. Same chapter. Same chapter. Verse 22. And it came to pass at that time, Abimelech and Pishol, the commander of his army, spoke to Abraham and said, God is with you in all that you do. His enemy showed up and acknowledged that Abraham is great. And then, and they are afraid for themselves. And now swear to me that you will not deal falsely with me for my offspring or for my posterity. But according to the kindness that I have shown to you, that you will do to me and in the land in which you have dwelt. Now they are afraid of him. And guess what? In the last verse, and Abraham's, uh, verse 34, and Abraham stayed in that land of the Philistines many days. Did he inherit that land? of the Philistines, the moment he cast out the, uh, the bond woman with her son, he inherited his land, his, his enemies were under his feet, he started receiving the victory. Amazing. Now let me show you something so beautiful. Okay, here, here, here is the verse about that milk. Yeah, uh, we'll talk about something beautiful, but uh, more about Hebrews chapter five verse twelve. Let's look at that. Hebrews chapter five verse twelve, and if you want, if you want the verse that talks about the meat, for though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you again the first principles of the oracles of God, and you have come to need milk and not solid food. He, 
verse 13 for everyone who partakes only of milk is unskilled in the word of righteousness for he is a babe see the moment you partake of righteousness you get weaned of milk what is righteousness when you believe that you receive everything because you're righteous in Christ Jesus not because of righteousness because of your works under the law you got it you receive you when you start partaking of righteousness you become weaned of milk okay there's another verse first uh, Corinthians chapter 3 verse 1 and I brethren I could not speak to you as spiritual people but as to carnal as to babes in Christ I fed you with milk not with solid food for until now you were not able to receive it and even now you are not able to receive it so Paul could not teach the Corinthian church on righteousness because they were not able to receive it but you and I all of you in this zoom call you are able to receive this word of righteousness 5 verse 13 which one sorry okay uh, so first Corinthians chapter 3 verse 2 I fed you with milk look at the power of a weaned child Isaiah chapter 11 verse 8 this is what God wants to do with each one of you in these last days he says the nursing child shall play by the cobra's hole that's any new believer as, as long as you are a believer you don't have to be worried about Satan because you can play around the cobra's hole the cobra has no power over you but what will a weaned child do and the weaned child Isaiah chapter 11 verse 8 shall put his hand in the viper's den <laughs> if you have the word of righteousness JR you can put your hand in the viper's den you can go places no one dare to go because what is the viper guarding he's guarding the inheritance of the saints he's guarding the wealth of the nations and you are getting there and getting his eggs he's getting his prized possessions but for that you need to be weaned you need to be weaned you need to be weaned a weaned child shall put his hand in the viper's den how many of you are ready to put your hand in the viper's den amen, amen? get ready because that's where your inheritance is that's where your prized position is you can get because nothing can stop you because you are see if you are if you're just a newborn babe you're afraid to go to those places you cannot claim those things you cannot rebuke sickness and disease you cannot raise the dead that's like going putting your hand in the viper's den that's where satan lives he lives around death he lives around impossible situations but you are not going where no one dares to put their hand in you are going into places that satan hates I'm telling you at the end of this life team there are a lot of hands showing up in Satan's kingdom. He's like what's going on out here? Who's, who let the dogs out? <laughs> who let the dogs out? Somebody's got a revelation of Mount Zion. Somebody's got a revelation. Somebody's asking for impossible things to happen. 
because now they are not depending on gradual healing. Now somebody is not depending on gradual stuff. They are like, where is my inheritance? Where is my mountain? Hallelujah. So how do you do it? So how, how, how does this actually practically operate? Let's go to Matthew chapter 16, verse 7. Remember when G Peter said, Jesus, you are the Christ, the son of the living God, and make this big confession. Jesus says, blessed are you, Simon Bar-Jonah, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my father in heaven. And I say to you, you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hate shall not prevail against it. Look at what he says in the next verse. I give you the keys of heaven. Whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever you lose on earth will be loosed in heaven. How many of you have heard this verse and you have used this to bind demons and powers? I've, whatever you bound on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever will be loosed on earth will be loosed in heaven. There are no demons in heaven. So what is he talking about? He's talking about loosening the mountain of people's lives. The sins. Let's look at it next to us. Let's look at the next day. Matthew chapter 18 verse 5. 18 verse 15. Moreover, if your brother sins against you, and go and tell him his fault between you and him alone. If he hears you, you have gained your brother. But if he will not hear you, take with you two more, that one or two more, that by the mouth of three or two or three witness, every word might be established. And if he refuses to hear them, tell them to the church. If he refuses even to hear the church, let him be to you like a heathen and a tax collector. Then he says, Assuredly I say to you, Whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever you loosed on earth will be loosed in heaven. What? Bind on earth and loosed on heaven, what? You're binding and loosening people's sins against them. You are telling this guy is a tax collector. He, he cannot receive the benefits of the kingdom. You know what? Jesus gave Peter that authority. He gives every believer the authority to bind sins and forgive sins. I know this sounds crazy. But God the Father. Remember I told you. He puts words in your mouth. To plant the heavens and the earth. He can do it. He will say but why can't God do it. I'm sorry. He decided to do it through you. He says I have given you the keys. I have given you the power. I have given you the authority to bind and release people's sins against them. So I say, you release people's sins. You go ahead and cancel sins against people. And that's the first thing that Jesus did when he arose from the dead. Look at verse John chapter, John chapter 20 verse 19. John chapter 20 verse 19. And the same day at evening, being the first day of the week, when the doors were shut, when the disciples were assembled for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood in the midst and said to them, Peace be with you. Look at the first words. The fruit of the lips. Peace be with you. Remember what he said? The first thing he said. He, re he removes the yoke. 
And then he says, verse 21, Pe uh, peace to you as the Father has sent me, I also send you. Then he said to them, he breathed on him and he said to them, receive the Holy Spirit. And verse 23, if you forgive the sins of any, he gives you the keys. See, because you, you cannot heal anybody. You cannot cast out demons. You cannot do anything unless the mountain is between them. He says, if you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven them. If you retain the sins of any, they are retained. So Jesus is constantly, the first thing he would do was forgive people's sins. So that's what you do. So like if you have to do a miracle, the first thing that you do, you say, peace be with you. Your sins are forgiven. And then speak the miracle. Remove this of mountain between them and release the miracle. First, first tell them, your sins are forgiven. Then release the miracle. Remove the mountain first. Forgive their sins first. But he said, but God forgives sins doesn't say this here it says you forgive because God has already forgiven L look at this verse uh, first, 2nd Corinthians chapter 5 verse 17 and all things are, are of God who has committed who has reconciled us to himself through Jesus Christ and has given us the ministry of reconciliation see God is not reconciling he's already reconciled his part he's Every person sin in this world, God has forgiven in Christ Jesus. But you say, but how come everybody is not saved? Because he has put the words of that good news in your mouth. Wow. Wow. Did you, did, do you know what I just said? God has forgiven everybody's sins in this world in Christ Jesus. But the good news has not reached Dallas County. But he has given you that word in your mouth. So when you speak it, okay, okay, get this straight. When you speak it is not when he forgave. It's when you speak it is when they receive because they cannot receive unless you speak it. So the words is in your mouth. And look at what he says in the next verse. Uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 19. If you know this, you will freely forgive. You will freely heal. You will freely release people and remove their bondages. You will not, not like, oh, this, this demon does not come except by. <laughs> you, you will not start using words like that. Because you will say, hey, guess what? The mountain is removed. Come out right now in Jesus' name. Amen. Oh, no, no, no. For this, I need to call my life team leader. No. Or this, I need to call my pastor. No. What is he going to do that you cannot do? Did you remove the mountain? Yes. Speak the word. Speak the word. L look at this verse. Underline this word. Second uh, uh, Corinthians chapter 5 verse 19. And that is God was in Christ Jesus. So even Jesus operated like this. Jesus operated by God was in Jesus. 
reconciling the word to himself, not imputing their trespass to them. That's the mountain removing. And has committed to us that word of reconciliation. God has given the same word that he used, that he put in Jesus' mouth, that word of not imputing trespass. Repeat after me. The word, the word. of not Imputing. Not imputing. Trespass. Trespass. So that's the word. And, and has committed to us that word. The word of reconciliation. Do you get this picture? That word of not imputing trespass. Before healing. Before uh, doing anything for people. Don't impute. Remove the mountain. He's given it to you. He's given it to you. Look at Matthew chapter uh, seventeen verse three. Take heed to yourself. If your brother sins against you, rebuke him. If he repents, forgive him. If he sins against you seven times in a day, seven times returns to you saying, "I repent," you forgive him. Look at verse uh, five. And the apostle said, "Increase our faith." Suddenly, when the word faith shows up, what should show up? Mountain. mountain should show up. Correct? So what should show up the moment somebody says faith? Mountain. mountain. What, should, what should happen to the mountain? Should be removed. And, uh, and put where? Cast into the sea. Okay, let's see the next verse. And Jesus and the Lord said, If you have faith as small as a mustard seed, you can say to this mulberry tree, same issue. Well, what is the mulberry tree? What is the context out here? The trespasses, the sins, Mount Sinai, the law, the offense, the rock of stumbling, everything. He says, say to the mulberry tree, be pulled by the roots and be planted in the sea and it will obey you. See, he is trying to say the same thing. If you say, you would say, Lord, I have to go for a faith seminar. So when you go to a faith seminar, what are you supposed to learn? Remove, remove the mountain. You, the first thing you learn out of when you come to a faith seminar is how to remove mountains. Mountains, yes. You say how to cast out mountains into the sea. Cast stuff into the sea. Your first job. Even Judas did this. Did you know that? Okay, go to Matthew chapter 9. Are you in Matthew chapter 9? Let's go to Matthew chapter 9. Matthew chapter 9. So look at how Jesus, let's, let's see Jesus operate this principle. Let's see Jesus operate this principle, okay? Let's look at Matthew chapter 9 verse 1. Just in the, in the initial part of his ministry, he got into a boat, he crossed over and came to his own city. And behold, they brought him a paralytic lying on a bed. What does Jesus do? Remove the mountain. He removed the mountain. When Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralytic, Son, be of, uh, be of good cheer. Your sins are forgiven you. The first thing he does is remove the mountain. And then he says, verse 6, that you may know the Son of Man have power on earth to forgive sin. He said to the paralytic, Arise, take up your bed and go to your house and he happened then verse 9 
then passing from there he saw uh, uh, chapter uh, Matthew chapter 9 verse 9 and Jesus passing from there he saw a man named Matthew sitting at the tax office and he said to him follow me what did Jesus do to Matthew who's a tax collector He removed, he, he removed the mountain. What was the mountain that he removed? Forgiveness of sin. Yes, look at it. Uh, uh, the, the most righteous rabbi in Israel at this point of time. Okay, let's not assume that he, he he's a prophet at this point of time. The most rabbi from Matthew's standpoint. The greatest rabbi that ever lived. The greatest teacher walks up to a tax collector and says, follow me. What does that imply? His, he's not counting his tax collection against him because the tax collectors were the worst sinners in those times. According to the law, a tax collector cannot be called to be a follower of a rabbi. So he's removed the mountain. Okay, look at Jesus removing mountains. Next verse. And it happened as Jesus sat at the house, at the table at the house, that behold, many tax collectors and sinners came and sat down with him. What is he doing there? Removing the mountains. Removing the mountains. Tax collectors and sinners. He's sitting with them. Because according to Psalms chapter 1, what does Psalms chapter 1 says about eating with sinners? Do not. So uh, do you have a problem with Jesus here? Okay, this is, this is, this is the Holy Spirit. Psalms chapter 1 says, Nor stand in the way of the sinners. Okay. Nor sit in the seat, sitteth in the seat of the scornful. Okay. So you do not stand. Do sa- not walk in the council of ungodly. Correct. What else is he doing? He shall not stand, he shall not sit. So is Jesus disobeying the law and the prophets here? I like your boldness, Jyotsna. <laughs> so is he, is he disobeying the uh, law and the prophets? No, he has forgiven them. So now he has declared them what? Righteous. So he is sitting with whom right now? The righteous. What has he just done? He's just removed the mountain. Do you get it? Okay, let's, let's go to the next chapter. See, the Pharisees had a problem with this. Verse 11, Matthew chapter 9, verse 11. And when the Pharisees saw it, they said to his disciples, Why does your teacher eat with tax collectors and sinners? Because wh- what, why was that a problem for the Pharisees? Because they looked at the law. The, the, law, the law, you cannot, you cannot eat with this because he's just violating Psalms chapter 1. Unless, of course, if Jesus has made them righteous. He's removed the mountain and the, the ark has rested on the mountains of Ararat. And they are in the ark and not on the mountain. Could it be so? And now where are they sitting? They are, they are, they are sitting in the ark. They are sitting in the ark. Okay, then look at the next verse. Verse, verse 19, uh, verse 13, Matthew chapter 9, verse 13. But go and learn what it means. I desire mercy and not sacrifice. This is God's heart. God's heart is not sacrifice. Sacrifice is all about Mount Sinai. God wants mercy. That's in the new covenant, in Christ Jesus. 
That's why he wants that. He wants, he is, Lord, I have sacrificed so much for the Lord Jesus Christ. I have struggled so much, brother, in my life. My ministry is so heavy, brother. My life is so tough, brother. I have paid the price, brother. I'm sorry. Do you want a miracle or not? <laughs> or do you want a boast? What do you want? I would rather have a miracle. I don't want a boast. See, it is very displeasing to put away Hagar and his child. It's very displeasing. It is tough for Abraham. But God says, put it away. You cannot inherit what I want you to inherit. Get rid of your boast. So Paul had to do the same thing. He said, I was of the uh, tribe of Benjamin. I was among, taught among Gamaliel. I was the Pharisee of Pharisees. I, but I count everything rubbish. What is he doing? What is Paul doing? He is throwing the mountain out. Because he rather live a fruitful, miracle-filled life rather than boast about Mount Sinai. I'm telling you, brothers and sisters, we are learning real meat today. You have to get this picture of this mountain. This is the heart of the gospel of Jesus Christ. He desires mercy, not sacrifice. Okay, but look at the next verse. Then the disciples of John came to him and said, Why do we and the Pharisees fast often? <laughs> they are coming with what right now? Why are we, why do we and the Pharisees fast often, but your disciples do not fast? Your disciples do not fast and yet are casting out demons, are healing the sick. We are doing all this, but we cannot do any of these things. So what is happening? So what do they equate fasting to? With the miracles. Of or the works of the law. Yeah. Because he, what do they say? Why do we and the Pharisees, what do the Pharisees do? They love Mount Sinai. And they say, and Mount Sinai exalts fasting. Why? Works of the flesh. It's works of the flesh. Oh brother, I have not eaten for the last seven days. And there's a price to be paid for anointing. You, you see the difference? I'm saying is, do you rather need that or do you need your miracle in the spirit? If Judas can cast out demons and raise the dead, <laughs> and you won't believe it, but he did. <laughs> And he was not even born again. But he used, he didn't use Mount Sinai to cast out demons. He used the Lord Jesus. If he can do it, you can do it. You have authority to do it. Because he, but he followed the same principle. You got it? Because everybody, look at what he says. Can and the Jesus said, can the friends of a bridegroom mourn as long as the bridegroom is with them? But the days are coming when the bridegroom will be taken away and they will fast. The fast that we call about is the Isaiah 58 fast, the new covenant fast of removing mountains. I'll say, but, but uh, is it wrong to not eat food? Do whatever you need to do. But if you don't remove mountains, you are not fasting. Because that's a fast I choose, says the Father. 
you want to not eat food and remove mountains go for it but definitely remove mountains definitely remove mountains okay okay and look at what he says keep and finally uh, verse 35 and jesus went about all the cities and villages teaching in the synagogues preaching the gospel of the kingdom and look at look at the order he pre- he removes the mountain he preaches the gospel and guess what happens and healing every sickness and every disease see look at the power of this the moment you preach the gospel what is the gospel that god does not impute your sins against you that's the gospel no 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 but anil the gospel is jesus christ is lord how is that good news everybody has their own gods the muslim says muhammad is a prophet and allah is god the hindus say ram is god so what's so great about your jesus being god that's not the gospel the gospel is that god does not impute your sins against you in jesus that's the good news the moment you preach that miracles start popping up all over the place Amen. but you say but brother you you have to qualify it unless they become a believer and accept jesus how will they be um, happen where can you show me in this whole thing which comes first removing the mountain or preaching and or healing removing the mountain don't impute their sins bring the message of reconciliation in Christ Jesus tell in Christ Jesus god has already forgiven your sins don't find reasons to disqualify people find reasons to bind to lose people's sins of them remember that binding and loosening is not about demons binding and loosening is your authority in Christ Jesus of sins against people because the moment you remove sins Dallas County remember Dallas County jail automatically has to re- release their inmates okay look at look at the power of the next verse this look at how sad Jesus is here in this next verse sad means out of compassion not sad sad is not a good word but i'm saying is how compassionate he is and when he saw the multitudes he moved with compassion for them because they were weary and scattered like a sheep having a shepherd and he said to his disciples the harvest truly is plentiful but the laborers are few now pray that the lord of the harvest will send out laborers into the harvest what does god want this is god's harvest why does he want laborers in the field somebody who will go and remove mountains correct it's very simple he just want people to go and remove mountains because he is he can only do so much he's one man the harvest is so much but at that time he said i need more people who can just remove mountains so he said okay what can you cast stuff into the sea you can come on over so then the next chapter that's how the next chapter starts the next chapter says verse uh, matthew chapter 10 verse 1 then when he had called his 12 disciples to him he gave them power over unclean spirits to cast them out and heal all kinds of diseases and all kinds of sickness let uh, uh, and look at his instruction and and i have a question for you at this point of time 
were the disciples born again or not? No. No. But God, Jesus is giving them authority to cast out demons and to heal, raise the dead and to heal all manner of sicknesses. So does being born again, uh, uh, does it, is that a qualification for them to do great works for God? No. No. Because who is doing the great works? Who is doing the great works? God is doing the great works. He is removing the mountains. It will be done for you, it says. You speak to the mountain, it will be done for you. And nothing will be impossible for you. Because the one who does the impossible thing is God. But in the, me, in, in the middle, you have to remove the mountain. He doesn't care who will remove the mountain. He will even use unregenerate, unregenerated people to do that. And that is why great Christian ministries have seen great fruit even when their leaders have fallen. Because the word of reconciliation has been preached. God just wants a mouthpiece on the earth. It is as simple as that. You get no credit for it. That is why Jesus said, increase my faith. The disciple, Jesus gave them a parable. He said, if you tell a servant uh, after he's come back from a hard day's work, come and uh, uh, do this for me or do that for me, will he do it? He said, yes. And then will you thank him because he did that? He'll say, no. You'll say, after you have done that, do this also. Why? Because that's how you operate with this faith of removing him. Uh, the mountain. He says, your job, remove mountain. Do you get any credit for it? No. Because I am the one who is doing the mountain removing. I will do the healing. Your job is to say, we are uh, unprofitable servants. We have only done what we have been commanded. And what has the Lord Jesus Christ commanded you? Do you know what he has commanded you? Remove the mountains. Look at what is the next one. Matthew chapter 10 verse 5. Then the 12 Jesus sent out and commanded them. He said, do not go into the way of the Gentiles and do not enter the city of the Samaritans. That was because Jesus was wanted that good news to go only to Israel at that point of time. But rather go to the lost sheep of Israel. Because that he removed after resurrection because he said, now preach this removing mountain message to everybody. But then he says, this is the instruction. Watch this. Watch this. Matthew chapter 10 verse 7. As you go, as you go, do what? Preach. Preach. The first thing you do is preach. Saying the kingdom of God, heaven is at hand. That means it's available for everybody. And then what happens? Heal the sick, cleanse the lepers, raise the dead, cast out demons. Do the most important verse. Freely you have received, freely give. Do not make a qualification. Don't put a price. Don't say you have to fast so many days. Don't say you have to do all these things. Freely you have received. Did you not receive freely? Just one chapter back, you were a tax collector sitting at a a table. Now you are casting out demons. Suddenly you want to put fire down on Samaritans. What's missing? (laughs) What's happening? 
Mount Sinai is creeping in. It is the 10th month. The tops of the mountains are being seen. <laughs> Keep the mountain in the sea, brothers and sisters. Keep it in the sea. Freely you have received, freely give. I'm telling you, ministry is easy because the harvest is plentiful and the laborers are few. Why do you think laborers are few? I will tell you why the... Because they are not green. <laughs> they are dwelling around the mountain and they don't want to cast the mountain out. Correct. Why are, the, why are there few laborers? Because the laborers feel that they need to qualify at Mount Sinai, pass the test, and then come to Mount Zion. So they are sit, standing at the queue at Mount Sinai, wanting to get cleared and stamped by saying, approved, Mount Sinai approved. Mount Sinai approved. You know, when, when is Mount Sinai going to approve them? When they die. <laughs> they, they will never get approved. They never, because you know, it's an auto, it's an auto responder email box. I think the emails have gone into their junk folder. They have not got the message. <laughs> that they have disqualified. You cannot, you are waiting there and there is a huge line of volunteers that God needs at Mount Zion with the message of reconciliation. And you and I are that option. So when, when somebody comes to your house to fix a leak or somebody comes to your house to uh, uh, do an errand, Preach the gospel. Say your sins are forgiven in Christ Jesus and heal them. Re freely you have received, freely give. What's your problem? You have nothing to do. You are like an un unprofitable servant. Your only duty is to do what you have been commanded. Remove the mountain. So you are always looking for an opportunity to remove a mountain. You always, because freely you have received, freely give. Freely give. Wow. Wow. And um, I'll quickly get into the last part. And this part, I kept the best for the last. <laughs> so if you, have, if you have survived this whole Bible study, you will enjoy what I'm just going to share. I know some of the best parts come at the end. Milo always says, why don't you bring in the best parts of the beginning so we can concentrate, enjoy, rather than drag it up till the end. But I have to set up a foundation. Just look at this. The lure of Mount Sinai. The lure of Mount Sinai. The lure of Mount Sinai. And I'll close with this. Three examples from the Bible. Three examples from the Bible. Even after knowing this revelation, the lure of Mount Sinai is so strong that people still want to go back to it. And I will show it to you in the scriptures and I'll tell you because this is good for ministry and good for you to understand it. Are you ready for it? Okay, go to Peter. First person is Peter. Remember who said it is good for us to be here? Peter. Who loved that mountain? Peter. Look at Peter. 
Matthew chapter 17 verse, we study Matthew chapter 17 verse 1. He said, it's good for us to be here. Peter said about that mountain, correct? Okay, now let's go back to Matthew. Now this is in the book of Acts. Now Matthew, sorry, uh, so, uh, Peter is in ministry. Acts chapter 9. Acts chapter 9, verse 32. Acts chapter 9, verse 32. Now, this is Peter's ministry. Remember, Peter is the one who said it is good for us to be here. Now, Peter, Peter has grown. Peter has been with Jesus. Peter knows how his miracles happen. So, he's learned this. He's learned this method. He said, I will not qualify people. I will freely I have received, freely I give. And great miracles happen through Peter's life. Look at Matthew chapter 9 verse 32. And it came to pass as Peter went through all parts of the country. He started traveling all over Israel. And, the, and he also came down to the saints who dwelt in Lydda. And he found a certain man named Aeneas. Who had been bedridden eight years and was paralyzed. So Peter is now eight years Aeneas has been paralyzed. Do you think this is... Uh, this needs a miracle. Yes, right? It's, it's really tough, right? Look at what, what Peter is supposed to do. What do you think Peter should be doing? Knowing how he's been taught. Remove the mountain. That means qualify him right away. Correct? Correct? Look at what he says. And Peter said to him, Aeneas, Jesus the Christ heals you. See, he's he, in one sentence... He is totally qualified him and gives him the healing. Correct? No qualification, nothing. What does he do? Arise and make your bed and you arose immediately. Okay. And then all who dwell at Lydda and Sharon saw him and turned to the Lord. So this could, Ainas could either be a saint or an unbeliever, whoever. But Peter had no problem in qualifying him and giving him a miracle. He says, Jesus the Christ heals you. He doesn't uh, bring up his sins. He doesn't do anything. Just gives him freely. Exactly as Jesus said. Freely you have received, freely give. I'm pretty sure at this, before this, he has already preached the message of the gospel of Jesus Christ to Inez. Because he came to the saints. So he must be preaching there. Okay. And he qualifies him. Then, at Joppa, there was a certain disciple named Tabitha. Who translated Dorcas. This woman was full of good works and charitable deeds, which he did. And it happened in those days that he became sick and he died, and she died. And they had washed her and they laid her in an upper room. Now, since Lydda was near Joppa and the disciples had heard that Peter was there, they sent two men to him, imploring him not to delay in coming to him. them. Then Peter arose and went with them. And when he had come, they brought him to the upper room and all the widows stood by him, Weeping, showing the tunics and the garments which Dorcas had made while she was with them. So what are the widows doing to Peter while she is dead? Telling him about why she qualifies. Why she qualifies? He says she qualifies to be alive because she has done good works. She has done good stuff. Look at all the stuff that she's done for the poor. Look at all the tunics. Look at all the um, garments she's made. Don't, don't, why is this good things happen? Why do evil things happen to good people? <laughs> it sounds so good to use that verse. 
So they are trying to now qualify Dorcas for this miracle. Now tell me this. She is dead. Why is Peter in the house there? To, to raise her up. But before she can move the mountain, uh, before he, she can raise her up from a miracle, from a dead. This is a miracle. This can only happen. So he has to remove the mountain. At this point, what is that mountain? Good works. The good works is the mountain. See, this is so powerful. See, in the other place, what is the mountain? Was this man's iniquities or his sins? But in this place, what was the mountain? Good works. It doesn't matter. It's Mount Sinai. So what does Peter do? Peter put them all out. <laughs> he removed the mountain. He removed the good works out from that room. He removed the good works because the good works is also the mountain, is the boast. He removed the mountain and then what he do according to Jesus principle, you remove the mountain and ask. And, and he knelt, knelt down and prayed, that is asked. And he turned to the body and said, now he is down. Now that the mountain is removed, he speaks words. He says, Tabitha, arise. How, how soon did the miracle happen? Immediately. Immediately. Why immediately? Mountain has been mountain. No. I, oh. No. I know. I think all are right, Manor. I'm sorry. Both are right. But I, I'm looking for the answer for today. Nothing is impossible. Right. But what is the answer that I, for today? The, the loot of Mount Sinai? No, Dallas County. Dallas <laughs> County. <laughs> That's the answer for today. See, the, mom, the moment you remove, the pardon has been released. The mountain has been removed. Mount Sinai's curses cannot stay. Death is also the fruit of Mount Sinai. Death cannot stay. And, he, and then he gave up his hand and lifted her up and he called the saints and widows and he presented him alive. Did you see this? Okay. So two miracles. Did uh, Peter do a good job? So did Peter understand this? Yes. Yes. He's got it. Evil works, doesn't matter. Good works, doesn't matter. I know how to remove mountains. I'm going to do it. Okay. Let's go to Acts chapter 10 verse 9. The next day, as they went on a journey and drew near the city, Peter went up on a housetop to pray about the sixth hour. And he became very hungry and wanted to eat. And while they made ready, he fell into a trance and saw heaven open and an object like a great sheet bound at the four corners descending to him and led down to the earth. And in, in it were all kinds of four-footed animals of the earth, wild bees, creeping things and birds of the air. 
and a voice came to him, Rise, Peter, kill and eat. Okay, Manor, that's where your steak shows up today. But Peter said what? Not so, Lord. <laughs> Not so. <laughs> What's going on here? Mount Sinai. Mount Sinai just showed up. <laughs> Mount Sinai just showed up. He said, no, 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 no. I cannot eat water I, for I have never eaten. You know, you know, you know, look at me, look at me, look at me. Me, 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 Peter, Simon, Bar, Jonah, I have never, never, not even once, eaten anything common or unclean. And a voice spoke to him again a second time. What God has cleansed, you must not call common. Means what, what, let's translate this. If God has removed the mountain, you should remove the mountain. Okay? Look at the next verse. This was done three times. Obviously, this saying displeased Peter very much. <laughs> you know? So it was like a work in progress. Like three times a vision from heaven. Why? No, 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 no. No, hold on, hold on. If, if, you know what's going on out here, right? He's trying to say, preach this good news to a Gentile. Remove this mountain from a Gentile. He said, no, 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 no. The Jews, even though they are evil, I'll remove mountain. But a Gentile who is not even part of the covenant, I'm not going to preach this gospel to them. I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to do it. Then verse 17. And when while Peter wondered within himself what this vision meant. Wow. He's still wondering. He's still wondering. Behold, men came who were sent from Cornelius, Cornelius, who was a centurion, and made inquiry from Simon's house and stood at the gate. Look at verse 10. And they said, Cornelius the centurion, a just man, a one who fears God and has a good reputation. What are they trying to do? Qualify. They are trying to qualify him. Correct? among all the uh, nation of Jews, was divinely instructed by a holy angel to summon you to his house and to do what? And to hear words from you. See, all that God needs from Peter is not a big sermon about the law, on what is clean, what is unclean. He just needs what from Peter? He just needs words to be spoken to this uh, centurion. And what are the words? And words are this. Look at verse 25. Peter comes he's, uh, and he talks to Cornelius. Verse, tw uh, verse 28. And he said to him, you know how unlawful it is for a Jewish man to keep company with or go to one of an another nation. But God has showed me what I should not call any man common or unclean. He got it. He said, he said, I use the law against you. 
but I, you know how unlawful it is. See, what is he now saying? Mount Sinai, Mount Sinai. He's bringing the law, but God has showed me, don't use that mountain against Cornelius. So he said, I, I will come. Therefore, verse 29, therefore I came without objection. I've removed the mountain. So what is the reason that you want, you call me? And then Cornelius says the whole, uh, the vision of an angel coming and telling him to send for Peter. And then Peter starts opening the mouth and starts speaking the gospel to him. Look at what this, verse 34. Then Peter opened his mouth and said, in truth, I perceive that God shows no partiality. See, God shows no partiality. Look at the word, verse 36. See, this is the gospel. The gospel is this word of peace. This, this word of peace. Uh, verse 36. The word which God sent to the children of Israel preaching peace through Jesus Christ. He is the Lord of all. And what, is, what does he say? And look at verse, and he's continuing to preach. And verse 44, he kept speaking, he kept speaking, he kept speaking, and verse 43, to him all the prophets witness that whoever, that through his name, whoever believes in him will receive remission of sins. The moment he said those magic words, those key words, the words of removing the mountain, the words that says your sins are being removed, the remission of sins. The moment he said, look at the verse next four, while Peter was still speaking these words, which words? He spoke a lot of words, but the Holy Spirit was waiting for those specific words for the miracle to happen. And what are the words? Remission of sins. The moment he said that, the Holy Spirit fell. Wow, the greatest miracle. More than raising from the dead, the Holy Spirit fell upon all who heard the word. Not somebody who did something or uh, acted something or qualified. As soon as they heard the word, as soon as they heard the word, the Holy Spirit fell. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So here is a classic picture of Peter removing the mountain and the Holy Spirit falling. Second example. And we'll close quickly. 1 Kings chapter 19 verse 1. This is Elijah after the battle at Carmel, uh, after the great victory at Mount Carmel and he brought down fire and uh, he killed all the prophets of Baal and great victory. Uh, Elijah had this great victory. Uh, let's let's follow Elijah. So I just showed you Peter. Now let's go Elijah. Uh, what are we talking about? We are talking about the lure of Mount Sinai. Just because you had great victories in the spirit doesn't mean that the temptation to go by Mount Sinai is not strong. That temptation is always strong. But if you want to see fruit in your ministry, if you want to see fruit in your life, if you want to see those impossible things happen, Impossible things. If you want to put your hand in the den of a viper, you need to be aware 
of the lure of Mount Sinai. Even a great prophet like Elijah was not uh, uh, was susceptible to that lure of Mount Sinai. And let's follow this. You'll see this. And when Ahab, uh, act, uh, sorry, First uh, Kings chapter nineteen verse one, and Ahab told Jezebel all that Elijah had done, great victories, and how he had executed all the prophets with the with sword. Jezebel sent a messenger to Elijah, said, So let the gods do to me, that if by tomorrow I do not make your life as the life of one of them, of the ones who died, by tomorrow about this time. When Elijah saw this, when he saw that, he arose and ran for his life and went to Beersheba. See, he did a good thing. Because Beersheba means the place of oath. Beer means well. Sheba means oath. Well of oath, or also seven wells. The same Hebrew word. Say Beer Sheba. Say it's Beer Sheba. See, you always have to stay in Beer Sheba. Beer Sheba means the place of God's oath. What is the oath? We studied that in Isaiah. As for me, this is my covenant with you. That my spirit which is upon you, and my words which are upon you, shall not depart out of your mouth or upon the mouth of your descendants and your descendants' descendants from now on and forever. You always live in that uh, land, the land of Beersheba, the land of oath, the land where God has promised that your righteousness is not susceptible to your works. Your righteousness is not susceptible to the frailties of time. You're not, your righteousness is not susceptible to what you feel. Your righteousness is forever. You live in Beersheba. You live in Beersheba. Say, live in Beersheba. Okay, so he did a good thing. He went to Beersheba, which belongs to Judah. That means praise. And left his servant there. But he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness. That's not a good thing. And he's prayed that he might die. It is enough. Now, O Lord, take my life. For I am no better than my father's. Okay, that's fine. No harm done. At this point of time, he's saying I am no better than the father's. Correct? So, he is qualifying himself or disqualifying himself? Disqualifying. Which is good or bad? Bad. Why? He's still looking at his flesh. See, it doesn't matter how humble it sounds. See, what the Romans chapter 10 says, what is the word that we preach? The word is nigh you in your heart and in your mouth. The word is not that you will go into heaven, that is to get Christ down. Or you will go into hates, that is to bring Christ up. Both are bad. Oh, I'm so bad. I'm just like a worm. I will die in hates. Every bad thing happens to me. I'm just a humble person, saved by grace. That's like saying, I'm going into hates. You're saying that Jesus' death is not enough for you. Or you're saying, you know what? I'm not all that bad. I have fasted and prayed. I've done all these things. I've been committed. I'm born in a Christian family. I've accepted Christ at the first opportunity. <laughs> you know? I just like received it like that. It's like telling, I'll bring Christ down from above because his righteousness is not enough. My righteousness is needed. So both are bad. 
So here he is disqualifying himself. Both are bad. Okay. Then as he lay and slept under a broom tree, suddenly an angel touched him and he said to him, Arise and eat. This is exactly what the Holy Spirit does. Every time you feel weak or you depend on your flesh, the Holy Spirit brings bread and water to you. What is bread and water? Holy communion. Which is the Lord Jesus Christ and his beauty and his sacrifice. Is his work. His broken body. His finished work. He'll always bring the Lord Jesus Christ. Because your bows all finish when you see the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. Oh, but you're very proud of your righteousness. He again brings Jesus and says, look at the standard of your righteousness. You cannot qualify for that. But I will give it to you as a gift. For everything, they see Jesus only. You know what happened on the Mount of Transfiguration? They removed the Moses they removed Elijah. Who, sh who was remaining? Jesus. Jesus. Because the angel will always bring Jesus for you. To strengthen you. So he said, arise and eat. And he looked and there at his head was a cake baked with coal. That's a picture of Jesus' sacrifice. Because he suffered at the fire of the Lord, of his father. A cake baked with coals. That means a price has been paid. It's not uh, bread that is fresh. It is baked. His price has been paid. And a jar of water. That is the word of God that cleanses you. That says you are clean already. You, just, you, are, you don't need to be clean from your head. Only your legs need to be washed. You're a little discouraged because you're walking in the flesh. Your, your legs need to be cleaned. Just clean with the word of righteousness. That which we are doing. So what... This life team, this Zoom message, this life team, this message is all about a coal of uh, cake baked on coal and a jar of water for you. Just arise and drink and lay down again. An angel came back a second time and touched him and he said, arose and eat for the journey is too great for you. You cannot go through this journey on your own. This life, you cannot live on your own. This life, as a believer's life, you cannot... You cannot be successful on your own. You have to constantly eat the Lord Jesus Christ. And he arose and ate and drank and he weighed and he went in the strength of that food 40 days and 40 nights. Where? As far as Horeb, the mountain of God, Mount Sinai. So he uses the strength of the cake and the water to go 40 days and 40 nights to Mount Sinai. <laughs> so, 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 so look, look at this. See, uses the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ to find an opportunity for the flesh. Why? Because it's the 10th month and the waters have receded and the tops of the mountains are seen. Mount Sinai shows up. Why is he going to Mount Sinai? Okay, keep, keep reading. And there he went into a cave and spent the night in that place. And behold, the word of the Lord came to him. And he said to him, <laughs> said, What are you doing here, Elijah? So this is what the Lord says to every believer who goes to Mount Sinai. 
who says it is good for me to be here. The Holy Spirit says this, what are you doing here? Because I am not here. I was here when I gave the law. But right now I am not here. Where is, Ma- where is the Lord right now? He's on Mount Zion. So, look at the next. How do we know? How do we know? This, guys, y'all, I, know, I don't know how many of you are still on the call. <laughs> but for the ones who are there, okay? Look at what he says. Look, how do we know that Elijah is on Mount Zion, Mount uh, Sinai? Look at his reply. Verse 10. So he said, I have been very zealous for the Lord God of hosts. For the Lord of children of Israel has forsaken your covenant and torn down your altars and killed your prophets with the sword. I alone am left and they seek to take my life. How do we know that he's on Mount Sinai? Boasting. <laughs> the number of eyes that shows up. I am being very zealous for the Lord God of hosts. For the children. Now he starts accusing the children of Israel. A prophet accuses his people. What hope is there for Israel right now? When the prophet of that nation accuses the people. Says the, my pe- the people, the children of Israel have forsaken you. It's like your, like you, you, like you, your, your sibling and your mom asks you who did this, and your sibling looks at you and points your finger at you, says you did it, and he was like, man, what's up? Did we not have a deal? Are you not supposed to stand up for me? What's going on out here? Uh, I just shifted mountains, <laughs> tore down and killed you. I alone am left. See what happens. Isn't this the same Elijah? Just just two verses back. Said in verse 4. My Lord take my life. I am no better than my father's. I mean he just told. That he was no better than his father's. In two verses later. He says that I am very zealous for God. And I am the only one who is standing. And all the others are. Uh, jerks and you need to kill them pretty much I mean just two verses back he said I am no better than the prophets see this is what Mount Sinai does to you the moment you partake of the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ you become a little more prosperous you become victorious now it is not about the spirit now it is about you because of my works I have done all this see this is what Romans, so look at verse, uh, look at, uh, look at Galatians chapter 1, okay, Uh, Galatians chapter 5, Galatians chapter 5 verse 1, stand fast therefore in the liberty which in, by which Christ has made us free and do not be entangled again with that yoke, see now that you're free, don't go back into that yoke, for he says, Verse 7, you ran well. Who hindered you from obeying the truth? This persuasion does not come from him who calls you. 
a little a little leaven leavens the whole lump so he's saying somebody is trying to get you to go back out to mount sinai somebody is trying to get you to go back to mount sinai this is why he says in verse 13 for but for you brethren have been called to liberty only do not use the liberty as an opportunity for the flesh how do we know he's talking about the law look at the next verse but through love serve one another how do you serve one another through love that means when you're trying to serve somebody don't bring the law up don't bring the law up serve them through freely you have received freely give don't try to say why they don't qualify for this don't try to say why you cannot receive what you have received you can don't do that don't use an opportunity for the flesh which is what elijah did he ate that bread and he drank that water he used that strength to go back to mount sinai he used the liberty that he received to go back to mount sinai and he started accusing them exactly what galatians chapter 5 verse 13 said for you brethren have been called to liberty only do not use this liberty as an opportunity for the flesh for through love serve one another you say but anil this this flesh is about your sins no it's not about sins look at the next verse for all the law is fulfilled in this one law word see the law is fulfilled that you should love your neighbor as yourself if you bite and devour one another you will be consumed by one another look at the, the great verse matthew uh, galatians chapter 5 verse 25 if you live in the spirit let us also walk in the spirit see every believer lives in the spirit but the decision to walk in the spirit is your choice let me repeat this once again so you don't confuse the words when the new testament talks about live in the spirit and walk in the spirit they're two different things altogether you live in the spirit that means you're born a man you cannot be you there's nothing you can do to not change it now you'll say there are nowadays there are techniques to change it i'm sorry you cannot <laughs> you, you, you have been marked in every dna of every cell that you are a male you cannot be changed you cannot do anything about it you can do all kinds of stuff it's just like that you live in the spirit you you're just born again you're born in the spirit you cannot you cannot die now because you live in the spirit you say but i fallen from spirit no you cannot fall from the spirit remember the covenant as for me this is my covenant my spirit that is upon you shall remain with you for now and forever so your spirit cannot go your words cannot go but what can you do you can walk you can decide not to walk in the spirit or you can walk in the spirit you can walk to mount zion mount sinai or you can walk to mount zion you can decide where you walk the lord says if you walk in my spirit that means you walk in my faith you walk by removing the mountain you will be fruitful hallelujah 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 okay let's go back to so first uh, kings first kings Uh, chapter 9 so so he said what are you doing here he said i have been zealous so uh, then uh, verse 11 then he said go out stand on the mountain before the lord and behold the lord passed by and a great wind tore through the mountains and broke the rocks and the lord was not in the wind see 
what's on Mount Sinai and what is God showing uh, uh, Elijah? He's showing judgments. And he's telling, when I show you these great judgments, do you think I am in these judgments? No. Because what do I desire? Sacrifice or mercy? Mercy. Mercy. So in the new... See, those days of judging you are done. I have judged everything in the Lord Jesus Christ. Do you think this are these rocks? Now you say a lot of people are saying, there's so much evil in this world. I just wish that God just judges everybody. Judges this church. Judges people. Judges the prophets. Judges the pastors. You're so quick to judge. The Lord says, judge not. Ask. He says, I, my heart is not in judgment. Then he says, uh, uh, and and uh, but the Lord was not in the wind. And after the wind, an earthquake. But the Lord was not in the earthquake. Again, judgment. But God was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake, a fire. But God was not in the fire. He's like, Lord, Lord, bring fire down from heaven and burn these people up. Kill my enemies. God says, I'm not in the fire. See, because he's on Mount Sinai, God is showing Elijah a picture because his comfort. See, Elijah's comfort is in judgment. His, his, uh, it's like, that is his blanket. He loves to go back to Mount Sinai because he's comfortable on Mount Carmel. Because Mount Carmel is where fire falls. Mount Carmel is where people are killed. When that doesn't happen, it, 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 doesn't, it doesn't give him anything. It doesn't give him the kick. Ministry is all about judgment. Ministry is all about destroying evil. But that's not the new covenant. The new covenant is about the word of reconciliation, brothers and sisters. The new covenant is about moving the mountain. The new covenant is about let the oppressed go free. The new covenant is not about destroying nations. Oh, America is judged. So this evil is going to come upon America. Oh, this nation is judged because the curses are going to come. That's not your job. The word of reconciliation is in your mouth to plant the heavens and plant the earth. So look at what happens. And after the fire, a still small voice. Why? God is where? In the word. In the word. Just now you got it. In that word of reconciliation that is in your mouth, God, in all his glory, dwells. It does not have all the drama of an earthquake. It doesn't have all the drama of a fire. There's nothing to boast about because you cannot take any credit for it. Nobody will talk about you. Oh, this is that great prophet Anil who stood on Mount Carmel and brought fire down. No, because nobody will know about it because it will be that little words that you spoke to a friend. It's like Manohar speaking to the neighbor that afternoon. That word of reconciliation telling him, you know what? God has forgiven your sins. You don't have to go into the Ganges and dip and not be sure whether your sins are forgiven. You know, I can tell you that God has forgiven your sins. How do I know it? Okay. Do you have any sickness right now? Yes. I'll tell you, sickness cannot sit on a righteous man. I am going to declare you righteous right now. 
and now I'm going to rebuke the sickness. You, you call him righteous right now, remove the mountain and then speak to the right, uh, sickness and right away healing happens. And he says, see, how did you get healed? See, because you are righteous. God has forgiven you. Do you want to receive it? Yes. Yes. See, the whole gospel is top, topsy-turvy. We preach the removing on mountains because he needs volunteers and laborers in the field who will remove this offense, remove the stumbling block out of the way of my people. That is what John came to preach. And Jesus said, the law and the prophets were until John. And ever since that, everyone is pressing into the kingdom. How? What changed? Because John kept, came, uh, came removing mountains. He said, every valley be lifted up and every mountain be made low. What was John's ministry? Removing mountains. Removing mountains. And because he did that, Jesus' ministry became fruitful. Everyone was pressing in into the kingdom. So the tax collectors were coming into the kingdom ahead of the Pharisees. Because the, uh, the tax collectors and the uh, sinners, the mountain was removed by John the Baptist. And they started getting baptized. And they are like, John, are you telling that this mountain in Jerusalem, the mount, holy mountain in Jerusalem and the temple, I don't have to go there for my sins to be forgiven? John said, no, you be baptized in water and wait for the Messiah. You can be, you are, you are healed. And people came in by the flood because they, he removed the entry barriers to be healed. He removed the entry barriers for to be saved and prepared a people ready for the Lord Jesus Christ. So when Jesus came, when he preached, it was like ground that was prepared. He had this whole bunch of people who had already listened to John saying that they were righteous by the fact that they got baptized in the Jordan. <laughs> so the, when Jesus came saying, I will baptize you in fire, they're like, we are there. We can receive it. So they, when they received the uh, wrapping paper, they got the chocolate. Verse 13. And so it was when Elijah, Elijah heard it. He wrapped his face in his mantle and went, stood out. And suddenly a voice came to him and said, what are you doing here, Elijah? So Elijah is, God, God, God is, God is trying to see whether Elijah has got the message. Let's see whether Elijah has got the message. Verse 14. See, the lure, the lure of Mount Sinai is too strong. I, I, I'm sure every one of you have got this message. But look at Elijah. He said, and I said, I have been very zealous for the Lord, my God. Lord, in case you didn't get, get what I said, let me repeat. I, I have been very zealous. Let me repeat. I, I, I have been very zealous for the Lord, my God, Lord God of hosts. Because the children of Israel, he's, he's not only exalting himself, he's condemning others. <laughs> because there were, you know, because there were, the Bible says in the mouth of two or three witnesses. Because there was no other witness. Because God was not willing to condemn Israel. So Elijah said, okay, let me condemn Israel once more. Two mouth. <laughs> you know? See, it's like God is not ready to believe that. 
See, God is not saying that Israel is uh, is uh, is uh, uh, forsaken their covenant. God is God is not willing to agree with uh, Elijah at all, because if God agrees with Elijah, what does God has to do? He has to. He has to judge, but he says no. So God says okay. So God says go return your way. Means he's like given up. <laughs> he says go return your way because he says now he he's going to wait. Till God can bring Elijah back on a mountain one day and show him the one who will fulfill the law and the prophets. And that day was on the wow. Mount of Mount of Transfiguration, where God brought. You remember on that Mount of Transfiguration, both Moses and Elijah was speak was speaking with Jesus. Mm-hmm. And the Bible never says what they spoke. Yeah. Do you think they would have talked about the mountain? <laughs> You'd have said, Elijah and Moses, y'all did a great job, but even you cannot enter the kingdom except through me. And they all said, "Oh, you know what? That is right. So when are you going to die?" And the Bible does record, and they spoke about his decease. That he is going to accomplish in Jerusalem, because who who remember they were standing in line at Mount Sinai for all these years, they just changed the line to Mount Zion, and they said, "Was guess what? We are going to take a fast pass to Mount Zion, but before I can get to Mount Zion, you have to die in Jerusalem. So we are going to talk about that right now. There was no talk about the law." on the mount of transfiguration because they were talking about what Jesus is going to do so and the lord in verse 15 and the lord said to him go return on your way to the wilderness of damascus and when you arrive anoint hazael as king of syria and you shall anoint jehu the son of nimshi as king over israel and elisha he says you will have a, a successor because now i need somebody who will walk in this new covenant of revelation of not judgment but of mercy and elisha did double the miracles of what elijah did why because elisha removed mountains faster than elijah did he operated in the spirit and the name elisha means is the same name as jesus eli means god shua means save Yeshua means Yahweh saves same name like Jesus removing burden breaking yoke and from there he left so now we talked about he said now look at what he said what did god say elijah to return to wilderness no to return on your way to the wilderness of what damascus damascus watch this word remember this word okay Go away from Mount Sinai. Go back to Damascus because that's where grace is. Grace shows up on the way to Damascus. Let me repeat: Grace shows up on the way to Damascus. Jesus meets you not in Jerusalem on Mount, the where the temple is. He meets you on the way to Damascus because the law has been fulfilled. The price has been paid. Now is where the people are. Now is where the sinners are. 
the, the, now is where the, where the rebels are. Now is, he's where, where the, the, the gone case crowd are. Do you get the picture? Okay. Now let's go back to the last, cha last person. Paul. Paul. We're talking about the lure of Mount Sinai. Paul's testimony about himself. Now he's writing to Galatians. Galatians is a whole chapter about how to avoid the temptation to go back to Mount Sinai and to see miracles like the impossible things that are happening. Galatians chapter 1 verse 11. And I, I make known to you, brethren, that the gospel which I pre was preached, see gospel, this word of reconciliation, which was preached by me is not according to man. See, it doesn't make any sense by human sense. No man will ever give you this gospel of reconciliation. Every religion will never give you this. Every religion will make a demand of you. If you keep these seven steps, if you keep these ten things, if you follow this routine, if you follow all these steps, if you read my book, if you come to my seminar, or whatever, all, all, there's always a demand. Then you will do it. But he says, this gospel is not according to man. For I neither received it from man, nor was I taught it. But it came through the revelation of Jesus Christ. See, Jesus himself gave Paul this revelation of mountain-moving faith. For you have heard of my former conduct in Judaism, how I persecuted the church of God beyond measure. And I tried to destroy it. I advanced in Judaism beyond many of my contemporaries in my own nation. Ah, what? how does it sound like? It sounds like qualification, major qualification of Mount Sinai. Being more exceedingly zealous, uses the same word that Elijah was starting to use on Mount Sinai. I am more zealous for the traditions of my fathers. But when it pleased God who separated me from my mother's womb and called me through his grace, not through law, See, God just totally overlooked his zeal, overlooked his uh, teaching, his Judaism, his religion. He completely overlooked to reveal his son in me that I might preach him among the Gentiles. God uses a great teacher of Judaism to teach the Gentiles. Now, hold it. This doesn't make any sense. Why would he use a great scientist to minister to prostitutes. Shouldn't you not teach in the universities? No. Because the more you use your intellect and your wisdom, you would boast about it. So God uses people totally out of one area to minister in something area because it is he wants to know that whether you can remove mountains easily or not. Will you throw the net easily or not? Will you cast the mountains easily or not? Or will you qualify everything? Oh, you're a great teacher of apologetics. So anybody who becomes a believer has to know all the principles of apologetics before he can experience the miracle. No. You can receive it just by believing that Jesus has forgiven your sins. Because it's not about you. It is about him. This is the heart of the gospel of Jesus Christ. But look at what he says. 
to reveal his son. So when Jesus appeared to Paul, this is what he said, in his own words, that I might, I, to reveal his son in me, that I might preach him among the Gentiles, I did not immediately confer with flesh and blood. That means I did not go and take the counsel of any man. But what did I do? Nor did I go to Jerusalem to those who are apostles. So I did not even go to the church before me. But I went where? Why is he going to Arabia? Mount Sinai. Because Mount Sinai is there. Because he is thinking, God has showed up to me. I should go to Mount Sinai. So what happened when he went to Mount Sinai? Because it's the same thing. Elijah went to Arabia. Because the comfort is in Arabia. But God says, go to Damascus. That's where grace is. That's where I showed up to you. That's where your ministry is. And that's where Paul went. Just in that one few verses, it shows the picture. And Paul struggled with this. He said, because of the abundance of revelation that is given to me, a thorn was given in the flesh. Oh, how much the church has misunderstood that thorn. That thorn has nothing to do with sickness and disease. That thorn is everything to do with your reliance on Mount Sinai. So what God gave Paul was, I do not at any point in your life ever want to depend on the fact that you were taught under Gamaliel. That you can never use that boast to minister to the Jews. So what happened? So every time he used this great eloquence and uh, Hebrew knowledge to uh, preach to the uh, Jews, what, what did the Jews do to Paul? Persecuted. They persecuted him. They absolutely would not receive. But so he would go to the Corinthians. He would not bring any law. He would not talk about any of the Old Testament scriptures. And he would just operate under the fact that you are complete in Christ Jesus. That God has not found any fault in you. You are rich in Christ Jesus. The Godhead is complete in you. And he's telling people who kept temple prostitutes. And miracles starts showing up. And all the people start mobbing him. And they chase him from one synagogue to another. And say, come and preach this word in our city also. And they hound him down. And Paul is like, this doesn't make any sense. I want to go to the Jews. I want to go and preach to them. And I know all the Old Testament. And I know all the words. And I can prove everything. And they don't receive me. And I don't use any of that. And go to the Gentiles. And I totally trust the Holy Spirit. And they receive great miracles. God says, my grace is sufficient for you. That thorn I will not remove from the flesh. <laughs> I, will not remove, I will not remove the thorn from Mount Sinai. You know why? Mount Sinai God, is the place where the archers live. You know Ishmael? was an archer and he lived in Haga, in, in his land, Arabia. Arabia. He was an archer. That is why the Bible says, take the shield of faith by which you will quench the fiery darts of the enemy. Let's translate it. Take the shield of faith and by which you will quench the darts of Ishmael 
coming from Mount Sinai. That's the thorn. Because we don't, God doesn't want you to boast in anything apart from the Lord Jesus Christ. And he wants you to minister in that same manner every time. But what is the good part? The good part is nothing shall be impossible for you. The dead can be raised. The paralyzed can be healed because it is nothing about you. And my final verse. Do you know in Revelation chapter 21 verse 1. Revelation chapter 21 verse 1. And I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away. And also, there was no more sea. <laughs> Why do you think there is no uh, sea? It makes sense now. So there are no mountains to cast. There are no mountains to cast. Uh, there are no offenses. In the new heaven and new earth. There is no Mount Sinai. Remember the law passed away. The old earth passed away. The old heaven passed away. Why does God need a sea? See good things happen for those who wait till the end of the Bible study. <laughs> it's not about a... That's a great revelation. Yes. That's the Holy Spirit. That's the Holy Spirit. The first mention. Look at look how beautifully the Holy Spirit says. It's almost like a G, uh, uh, God is walking. Pa he, God is walking away, and he says, "Anil, this is exactly I picture the Holy Spirit. Jesus walking away. He's 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 introducing all this uh, new heaven, new heaven. He says, Anil, look at this." There's no sin, right? There's all this whole program of sin, Satan, everything is all bound. This is like final, final. Revelation chapter 21. He says, I see a new heaven and a new earth. And look at this, a new heaven, new earth. First heaven, first earth is all passed away. And Jesus starts walking up, walking away. And suddenly he remembers something. And he turns back and says, Anil, remember, there is no more sea. <laughs> it's like, you have... No more job in heaven to cast mountains. That job description is over. Even if you wanted to cast mountains in heaven, you cannot. So when are you going to do it, brothers and sisters? When are you going to do it? Immediately. Now. Now. Immediately. Cast mountains into the sea. Be thou removed. Be cast into the sea. And nothing shall be impossible for you. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Master. Ukara masutu na kire kile ramasutu na kire masata na kara masata na kara sikara masutu. Thank you. Thank you, Lord. Oh, hallelujah. The Lord says... You will see such great miracles if you would meditate on what my servant has just told you today. And if you are willing to put away the sins of people, if you are willing to cancel people's sins against them, 
if you use these keys that I've given you, not just to Peter, but to you, to forgive men their trespasses, and if you start exercising it, you will start seeing paralyzed being raised, the dead being raised, the wealth of the nations coming in, and it will bless you and your generations, and it will bless the people that I've called you to shepherd. For I have called and my heart hungers for multitudes, multitudes in the valley of decision, but no one to tell them that I find no fault with them. There is no one to bring that message of reconciliation. No one is willing to bring that word that I have freely forgiven them. There is no one to tell them that I qualify them no more. They are qualified because I have forgiven them. They are qualified not because they did stuff. They are qualified because I have rested in my son. Hear him. My son. Hear him. The words that is in him, I am willing and I have put in your mouth, Sushil. You have always desired the realm of the impossible. And your heart have hungered and cried out, When, O Lord, will I see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living? The Lord says, when you start putting away mountains, both for yourself and for those around you, away into the sea. When you freely qualify my people to receive, you will see miracles that you never thought was possible. For is it a small thing that I said for you to do? Isn't it me who have, who said will do it? Aren't you just commanded to release that word? Did I not want just that word to fall out of Peter's lips so that I could flood Cornelius and his house with my inheritance? Can you volunteer your mouth for my word and remove the handwriting against my people? Lord says, depression over your children is now being uh, removed because you have authority to speak righteousness over them. Speak righteousness over your seed says the Father. Speak righteousness over your house, says the Father. Speak righteousness over your jobs, says the Father. Speak righteousness over your goods, says the Father. Speak righteousness. Seek ye first the kingdom and His righteousness. Not your righteousness, His righteousness. And all shall be added to you. All includes every impossible breakthroughs that you thought was impossible for you are not worthy will start popping like popcorns in your life. For I am he who works in and through you 
Therefore, you work out your salvation with fear and trembling. For I am working in you, says the Father. Father, Father, I right now release this grace that was upon your word in ministering. I release this grace in a supernatural way among all the households that are hearing this word right now, that is going forth right now. Lord, and to people who are listening to this word over the web, everywhere where this word is received, I pray supernatural signs and wonders shall manifest, O Lord, even greater wonders than earthquakes and fire and breaking of rocks. Greater wonders that the world will know, surely the Lord God is with you. Like when Abraham cast out the bond woman and her son, the enemies, his enemies and the rulers came and submitted to Abraham and said, Surely the Lord God is with you. And gave him his inheritance. And I pray that every inheritance that where the, the giants of this land are sitting shall become ours right now in Jesus' name. For we do not disqualify ourselves first in Jesus' name. For we are the righteousness of the Lord Jesus Christ. We are the perfect. We are the mouth in whom there is no deceit. We worship you, Lord Jesus, and we thank you. And we believe and we receive the good report in each one of their lives. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Amen.